and we are back. This is almost getting regular. It is, isn't it? Uh, welcome to the newest exciting edition of the Nerds Who Haunted Themselves. Uh, I am Stuart Moraine. I am Addy Hanks. And uh, yeah, we are back to talk a little bit of sort of nerdy news roundup. This is like two months in a row, isn't it? It is, I know. We've, we were sort of as productive as Kevin Smith was on Project Sun <laughs> for a while, but yeah, we are back now. Um, yeah, we seem to be going on a semi-regular basis. So. But yeah, um, we'll do some nerdy talk. Uh, we've got a panel from True Believers 2017 to drop in the middle. And then... Filler. Filler, yeah. The interesting stuff, the stuff yeah. you're really here for, but <laughs> put it in the middle so you have to listen to us work. Get through to it first. So yeah, we're going to talk some nerdy stuff and then we're going to sort of have a little sort of arty chat. Yeah. Because, um... Arty farty chat. We've got some arty stuff going on, so... So yeah. So yeah, uh, let's begin with trailers, I guess. Oh yeah, so, okay. A few have dropped since we were last here. Dropped. So, um, obviously... Is that the phrase now? That is the phrase. The trailers, the trailers have dropped. dropped. They have fallen into your inbox. Dropped. <laughs> Um, yeah, so obviously the first sort of big... Well, we had a few big ones drop quite close together, didn't we? Let's start from... Because obviously one came out today. We did. Uh, so yesterday. Oh, yesterday, was it? Let's start from the earlier. So what, what, So was it Justice I, League? I think Justice League... If we do the three superhero ones first, then we're going to deviate slightly from superheroes. But, right. So yeah, Justice League was the first one. Uh, yeah. With my beloved DC Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and I just watched it a second ago before we pressed record on this for the first time. So I'm that kind of excited about it to be honest um, um, yeah you go first because yeah, oh, well, obviously I've, been, I've, uh, I've ranted a lot about Man of Steel Batman v Superman and yeah it's just it's it's the kind of ongoing craze isn't it of, of oh the Guardians of the Galaxy had some really cool music on it let's see if we can do that as well uh, I don't know it, it looked a bit busy I'm not going to judge the film obviously on the trailer because you know can't do that but I noticed there was no Superman no, like I said, I think they're burying that one. Yeah. I think everybody knows Superman's coming back. I don't know, because he was dead at the end. He had the, in, the Inception type of ending, didn't it? Um, what, where he did the twirly thing on the coffin and then it, it looked like it was going to wobble at the yeah, end. Yeah, exactly, but... and then the dirt kind of... Boom, and then it ended. But yeah, so I, I get I'm not showing Superman, plus it's only the first trailer. Yeah. But I... Yeah, it filled me with more confidence than when I saw the. It's almost like Batman now, v Superman one. Yeah, it's almost like nowadays they've got a checklist. All oh, right, okay, it's got to be a really successful superhero trailer. Funky music, check. Um, quirky one-liners, check. You know, that kind of the, the, like the, the whole thing with Aquaman and, and Batman. See, I like that. I think that's got potential as a relationship. Yeah, it just seems a bit. Well, yeah, maybe, but it just seems a little bit like, right, we've got to put that in, you know, just to show people we're not all serious and exploding. Well, I think they're so. trying to show that they're a bit more Marvel now. Yeah, exactly. Would exactly. that be a Marvel? Oh, we are so Marvel. I think they've gone so far the other way that yeah. they're trying to pull it back, and I think they've gone at this potentially with a bit more of a run-in than Suicide Squad had. Yeah. Where they can actually organically build it in rather than forcing it in. No, it's not good forcing it in, Nick. Exactly, no. You've got we've, all, we've all made that mistake. You've, you've got to plan ahead. Yeah, with these things, but I think it looks alright. I think this and Wonder Woman could potentially both have got decent trailers. Yeah, I think they could be the thing that actually makes me want to go and watch a DC Cinematic Universe film at the cinema again. But okay, they've released this trailer, but obviously, uh, hopefully, the 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 CGI for Cyborg isn't quite right because it looked absolutely bloody terrible. Yeah, I think 
special effects in trailers should always be taken with a little bit of a. But I don't really understand that. Why, why release why, that? Why you sell it on the, Yeah, I think you sort of have to give it a little bit of leeway that they're not finished, but I think potentially they put it out there as a tester as well. Sort of slide it in the trailer, see if anybody really notices and kicks off about it, and they can see what they can get away with. And but it's bad, it's terrible. It's not great, it's very. It's. There's a bit like in the Spider-Man Homecoming thing, which we'll come on to in a minute, the trailer for that, there's a bit where Tony starts talking to him on a roof and it looks like a horrible blue screen background. Yeah. But um, not like Superman 4 backgrounds where you could see the curtains, but but yeah, um, I like it. I think it's I think it's potentially a step in the right direction. I found I laughed at a couple of bits. I laughed at the Commissioner Gordon thing. That is nice to see him playing well with others again. And then Aquaman comes up and says, "Dress like a bat." I can dig it. Mm. And I liked the "Wash your superpower, I'm rich," which many people have pointed out is pretty much a riff on the Tony Stark thing. Do you know? Honestly, honestly, I misheard that. I thought he said a bridge <laughs> because no, it makes sense because the following bit you see that kind of whatever he does, he bridges the gap in his what like, the, t- like the tumbler was meant to be. That's what I thought. Oh, seriously, I promise you, I honestly My thought he said it's a bridge. A bridge. No, it's, it's I'm rich. I get that now. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah, no, it looks it looks like it could have potential unless they've just completely missed it. There's a couple of shots in that trailer I didn't really see the point of, like showing Cyborg as a football player, just a split-second random shot. It's like, mm. why was that even in there? Mm. Maybe That's, he's got some kind of... I wonder if he'll get this. I wonder if he's got some kind of code for the Quran on his chest. Ah, are we talking X-Men Gold here? We are. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that later. I'm sure. We probably will, so, yeah. Somewhere, isn't it? But also, it was very Iron Man as well. The whole yeah. cyber bit where they kind of closed up and he went shooting through the house. I think it was all very sort of is, ticking the Marvel boxes. Whether the actual film would be like that or whether they're misleading us in. Like uh, Suicide Squad would be like that, wouldn't it? Well, Suicide Squad was just a mess. Mm. Suicide Squad's trailer actually made me almost tempted to go and watch it and then I thought better of it and glad I did. But I think we'll see how Wonder Woman turns out as to whether I actually get excited for. There wasn't a lot of Wonder Woman in the trailer, no, a little bit, but none of that sort of more Wonder Woman and Superman. But then I suppose with they're having a solo movie out this year, and they kind of mm. perhaps they feel like they've blown their Wonder Woman load in that. And who, um, who plays the Flash? Um, uh, what's his name? The kid from We Need to Talk About Kevin, whose name is completely gone. It's Kevin. It's not Kevin, no. It'll come back to me. Uh, Ezra Miller. Okay. So, which I hate that Flash costume. Looks fucking horrible. Why has he got a suit of armor? Hmm. The whole Is thing. Something to do with um, um, friction. Well, it's meant to look like in the Injustice costumes, hmm. but the whole thing with Flash, certainly in the '90s TV series, was the costume was designed to sort of be like a second layer of skin because hmm. he moved so fast that his normal clothes, any loose clothing, would rip off. Hmm kind of thing and it was sort of meant to be a second skin kind of thing and this is just like weird armour it looks like it would slow you down more than if you were a speedster but very sort of odd choice of costume I think for that character hmm. um, um, the, the, the company was it Warner Brothers who do the movies yeah. have they got um, license to do Green Lantern yeah they Warner Brothers owns DC Comics ok so it's not like a like a, a Sony thing no Marvel no, no, no. Warner Brothers own all their... That's why Warner Brothers should have been out the gate a long time ago with the cinematic universe. Yeah, absolutely. 
So do you reckon Green Lantern is an inevitability? Uh, yeah, I mean that was planned for 2020. I think a Green Lantern corpse movie. All right. Okay. So he's going to be dead. <laughs> the, yeah, the Green Lantern corpse. I get it. I get it. I'm being funny, everybody. Oh, is that all that is? Happens occasionally. <laughs> but anyway, the other trailer that dropped around that time was the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. Yes. Which they dropped it like it was hot. Mm. Which is what our third. Second full trailer, third trailer including the teaser. Okay. Which this one looked a bit. The first two sort of had a quite light tone. Mm. This one gets a little more into the teen angst bit. Uh, a a bit heavier, and. I, which I, you're a big Spidey fan. I am a big Spidey fan. I, I wasn't sure if they let come too much information let go in it. You know, there was a lot. You know, uh, I, I, uh, there's a lot going on, and you can kind of. Th- Obviously, somewhere along the line, Tony Stark and Peter Parker have a bit of a row, and he, Tony Stark, Civil War, exactly, <laughs> takes this, his clothes back, and he goes around like Spider-Man Noir for a bit. There's an with the goggles on, yeah, which is quite a cool costume. It is a cool costume. I um, again, I think it looks good. I mean, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed the last. Well, actually, enjoyed the wrong word for the last Spider-Man film, but I enjoyed the Andrew Garfield ones to a point. Hmm. Several years of Rhino. Well, I thought you liked the Rhino. No, I don't think he wasn't in it enough. I bet a shocker's only going to be in it for a few minutes. On See, I like one. that though. I, that's very much like the comic that a major villain would be in it, sort of briefly, not be the main thing. Yeah, or, but it's just a bit of a downplay. It's like freaking Bane and Batman and Robin, or whichever one it was in Forever, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, Forever. That, no, it was Batman and Robin. That was no. bad, but I liked. It's like the beginning of the Dark Knight, where it's him still going after the Scarecrow. Yeah, I like that sort of thing. That I mean, but he was a yeah. He wasn't all scarecrow though. He was he was which, like a shadow of what he was. Which um, so I get that with Rhino. That didn't bother me, and that doesn't bother me if Shocker's in it as a sort of incidental character. Mm. Especially if they've got a plan to build him up. I mean, the rumor was that after these next two Spider-Man movies they'll then kick Marvel out and he won't be part of the MCU anymore and he'll go back to Sony and do the Sinister Six stuff won't he well they're on about doing Sinister Six and a Venom movie and all that uh, in their own continuity yeah, anyway and Black Cat and all that which just seems fucking odd yeah I think if you've managed to work out a partnership where you can keep churning it out plus it's going to be weird if you've got the same Spider-Man who suddenly isn't in the same world as Iron Man and oh yeah yes, was it would be like it never happened because they can't recast like him. a brand new day yeah they can't recast him again after well unless that's where they're going oh. that, that'd be a bit like killing Superman in your second Superman movie yeah it's not a good idea but he wasn't it? dead because the, the spinny top spun round and stuff oh yeah fell over but but yeah no I um I don't know Marvel movies tend to mislead you a bit with the trailers I find mm. they sort of make you think it's going to be one thing and it's like the second or first Age of Ultron trailer seemed very bleak mm. if you remember it seemed very sort of well this doesn't feel like Marvel this feels a bit Man of Steely feels a lot like DC yeah this doesn't feel like I'm going to have fun mm. but but you know I mean I don't know it plays a lot it played a lot more Vulture I thought yeah yeah, but, yeah a great cast for Vulture Finally, getting that Spider-Man versus Batman movie we always wanted. <laughs> so yeah, I get it. <laughs> but do you think he only got the job of Ultra because he was Birdman? Absolutely. 
And that was the only thing. That, was that the laziest bit of casting ever? Like, <laughs> you know, Vulture, who could play Vulture? Let's go watch Birdman at the cinema. We'll come back to it afterwards. <laughs> he looks good as a big bird. Because he's not who you think of as Vulture. You think like a Patrick Stewart type as Vulture, based on the classic Vulture. No, you suppose he was always an old man with a very wrinkly kind of neck, wasn't he? Well, yeah, because it wasn't part of the thing that is the suit made him younger or something. Maybe the original, I can't remember. Or was that in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon that that was a thing? It was like, kind of like a life like rejuvenation. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I think it's... It's got promise. There's a couple of bits in it that seem a bit... The bit where he's holding the ferry together was a bit Spider-Man 2 with yeah, the trains, yeah. Which... Yeah, Absolutely. Anyone who would have seen that, whether the original Spider-Man Two, would have thought, "Yeah, let's not do that. It's too similar." But I think potentially third time the charm to perfect mm. your Spider-Man, because I was never a big fan of the Tobey Maguire ones, mm. and I enjoyed the Andrew Garfield ones, but they didn't quite get the humour of Spider-Man down. He came across as a bit of a fucking snot. It's yeah, and a fake as well. When he takes down that first guy and he's doing the pretending to sneeze to. The webbing and all that is kind of blessing fucking mail ordered his webbing. What's that bullshit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was a lot in those films that really annoyed me. Despite your stolen by the um, tech, wasn't it? Yeah. To be fair, if the chemistry between Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone hadn't been half as good as it was, yeah, it would that those films wouldn't have had anything coming for them. Those two really made it. I think that's why it sucked so hard when she, they killed her in the second one. Yeah. I think they really fucking screwed themselves over that because people came out of that film feeling so down that they didn't go back it didn't have any repeat value for watching mm. it wasn't a I'm going to go and watch that again I feel good it was a well, that was fucking bleak wasn't it well, one of the times where following the source material very very closely probably didn't work yeah well I mean I've said before I think I've said before on this that I probably would have deviated from the comic and kept her alive at least for three films mm. and just not bothered maybe switched her with MJ killed MJ off because after the MJ in the Sam Raimi films mm. she, she got it coming if we just imagine it was that MJ nobody would care if she died oh, no, 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 I quite liked her no she was awful mm, she was a bit whiny maybe but awful 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 it was all about she was they had none of the nuance of the character in the comic she was just a self-centred mm. kind of, and then when she wasn't self-centred it still then came back to being all about her she was just there to be kidnapped Dropped, kidnapped, dropped, kidnapped, dropped. That is true. Well, I wouldn't kick her out of it for whining. I don't think you can say that anymore. Can you not? No, it's not PC. You can't say that sort of thing. Shocking. Oh, sorry, everybody. Yeah, everyone knows. And she probably would whine based on her character. Yeah. Let's not forget in Spider-Man 3 where she has, turns in such an awful performance that she comes out and assumes that the people out there waiting who start applauding, she thinks they're applauding for her. <laughs> That's true. It's a fucking awful month. Spider-Man Three is a terrible, terrible, terrible. I think I've only ever seen it. Was so probably it's yeah, it's the Robocop Three it twice, isn't it? I think it's possibly worse than Robocop Three. I can't remember Robocop Three, but I don't remember any of that. Well, we all know it's your favourite of the Robocop films. <laughs> you like the ninjas. Oh my god! But anyway, speaking of third films, oh yeah, Thor Ragnarok. Four, four, three. Planet Hulk, codename Ragnarok. I. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. I'm glad I watched the trailer before I'd gone on social media or anything because everybody had the picture of Hulk. Yeah. 
and even though I know Hulk's in the film it was a nice surprise for him to come out yeah. and even though I knew it was him coming out that door mm. it played perfectly because I was kind of like are they going to show on the show Hulk in this trailer or not because I potentially would have buried it I mm. might have teased Doctor Strange and not shown Hulk I took Strange now it's meant to be yeah mm. I think it's meant to tie in with this thing at the end of Doctor Strange or the mid-credits thing of Doctor Strange remind me where it's Thor's gone to see him in the Sanctum Santorum yeah 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 yeah. okay I think that's meant to then be sort of part way into yeah. Thor Ragnarok uh, okay but um Thor Ragnarok certainly ticked your uh, funky music funky music but um, yeah that must have again. cost them a fortune yeah but Led Zeppelin so um, I can't even afford a Led Zeppelin CD that's it <laughs> but to be fair you could probably take one Led Zeppelin song and just play it under the whole movie and you'd still have music to spare absolutely um, no I absolutely love the trailer um, love me a bit of planet a bit of Gladiator Hulk it was a nice mood setter um, mm. nice teaser of everything that was going on it, it didn't show too much as well. I mean it was it starts pretty bleakly when you see Minior get fucking destroyed yeah and a little bit of um, speaking to camera as well which is a bit odd yeah, I couldn't work out whether he was speaking to camera or whether that was a voiceover and his lips just happened to be moving at the same time. I think he was speaking to camera. I think but so. It's the flight of the Concours, what we do in the Shadow Guys and director, yeah. so. And, um, there's also a um, reference behind him to Hunt for the World of People. Yes, I saw that earlier on Twitter. Which I absolutely I didn't spot it until yeah. I saw some. Um, it was actually the Hunt for the World of People feed that posted it out. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, that, that is awesome. What is it? Not Thug Life? No, it's... Uh, skunk Life or something. Or Skunk Life, something like that. Yeah, I can't remember what it is exactly. But yeah, no, I thought that was a nice touch. Mm. It makes me feel like maybe Hunt for the World of People exists in the same world as Thor. Yeah, that would be random. If you haven't seen Hunt for the World of People, get on it. Yeah, it's dirt cheap it. to buy. It came out at a really low price for some reason. That's a fantastic movie. Mm. So, okay, pop quiz then. Um, in the Planet Hulk story, who is basically the the, the, the famous scu- um, character that he fights against? I don't Hulk know if I've against. never read Planet Hulk. You're not. And is I've still not watched the animated movie that's on my shelf. It's exactly the same story on both the animated s- story and the comic, but they use two different characters. In the comic, it's Silver Surfer. Okay. Oh, is it Wolverine in the comic? No, it's not. It, no, it's Silver Surfer in the, in the comic. In the animation, it's Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. Which is really random. I'm still disappointed we've not had a Beta Ray Bill cosplay it mm. Drew Weavers no, given absolutely. that we're at a race course yeah oh, absolutely you can get those rubber horse heads <laughs> fucking Bojack Horseman in the cage <laughs> <laughs> and then the last trailer that dropped that we wouldn't ordinarily talk about but it sort of has a nostalgia throwback kind of thing was the trailer for it mm. now I'm gonna freely admit that the death of Georgie at the beginning of it it's why I never finished reading the book. I fucking hated that. Does he actually... I, I can't remember. I have seen the yeah, Tim Curry one. It rips his arm off and he bleeds to death. Really? Awesome. In the gutter. So yeah, so the trailer opens with Georgie doing the boat. Mm. And, you know, losing it down the thing and then... So he doesn't come back later though? As a vision? He comes back as a ghost, yeah. Because yeah. that's in the trailer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... But yeah, because he blames his brother for him dying, doesn't he? But no, but the trailer 
the whole thing with Georgie with the boat in the trailer fucking really disturbed me. Really creaky. But then um, the rest of the trailer is wonderfully creepy. Yeah. Because the Tim Curry miniseries... They've played it a different way to the Tim Curry miniseries, haven't they? Yeah, because that sort of started with the adults and then it sort of... It did weird... I don't know if you remember, but the Tim Curry one did weird flashbacks where it sort of did that sort of zoom into the face. Yeah. And then you'd flash back to like their encounter with it. Kind and of a stand-by-me kind of thing. But it was weird because it would sort of just stare at them. Mm. Like the bit in the shower where they flash back to him in the shower where it comes up through the plug hole in the floor. Mm. And then it's like, well, what happened? It's like, did it just sort of stare at you while you got soapy and then awkwardly just go back in the plug hole? You never tell me what happened. <laughs> With a smile on his face, winking at you. It's like, why is it <laughs> killing some kids but leaving the losers alone? Admittedly, that this might all be covered in the book. Yeah. Which, like I say, just visualising Georgie's death. Georgie's death in the miniseries bothered me. Mm. And that was just, you pretty much hear him scream and then uh, it cuts to the coffin. Which, my big concern with this one is, am I going to have to watch Georgie bleed to death in a a gutter while it whispers in his ear that they all float down here? Nice. Because anybody who knows me knows I have real issues with kids. (laughs) Just in general. Yeah. Minor bellends. (laughs) Just bad things happening to kids in... Like I say, just that thing from the trailer really bothered me for a few days after I'd watched it. That's just the fucking trailer. Yeah. So, but like I say, the rest of it does look compellingly good. Mm. Absolutely. So I'm kind of torn between... I don't often go for horror movies, but... I don't. That bit with the slide looks really nice and creepy. Yeah. Because in the miniseries, they're looking through a photo album, aren't they? And then it crawls up to the front of the photo and starts talking to them. Which, again, I was kind of like, why don't you just shut the book? Just silence that. But from what I remember of the miniseries, it really tails off when it gets to the adults. Oh, yeah. Didn't you turn into a big spider? Yeah. I mean, it's a 90s thing. So, mm. well, it was made in 1990, so it's very sort of low budget and cheap looking. I'm not. But Tim Crow was good, though, wasn't he? Tim Crow was ace. Yeah. That was yeah. the other problem is it, while he was creepy, wasn't really scary because he was so funny. It's mm. a bit like the later Freddy Krueger movies. Mm. I'm not really scared of you anymore. In fact, if it weren't for the child murdering, I'd quite like to hang out with you. <laughs> I think we'd have a laugh. Yeah, just don't high-five him. Yeah. <laughs> but you, just because he's a Burns victim, you can't not high-five him. That's just rude. Oh, I, I apologise. Fuck's sake. But even creepier is the It trailer that was cut to Cat in the Hat. I know, that was weird. <laughs> it's been a thing for a long time that Cat in the Hat, you could recut it as a horror movie. <laughs> and it would work. And, um, yeah, that was weird and wrong, but also kind of funny. <laughs> it's the it at the end, or the cat at the end, where after you see the vision of Georgie. Yeah. And he's coming through the crowd. <laughs> They've done the same kind of thing, recuts the horror movie from Mrs. Outfire as well, haven't they? I think so, yeah. Yeah, what if it was a psychological thriller? Yeah. But, yeah, no, I thought that was really creepy. It had a really nice, not, not a nice tone, but, you know, a really fitting tone for it. Mm and I'm hoping it's going to play more creepy than gory yeah they have said that they're not going to shy away from the gore mm. but from what I remember of the miniseries there wasn't a lot of gore I don't know how much gore was in the book because it didn't seem to kill that many people yet one of the adults slit his wrists mm. but because I've not I've not really got any time for gore that's what put me off a lot of modern horror a lot of modern horror at the moment the things that bother me is it seems to be Preteen kids mm-hmm. are a lot of the focus of it, just because you know creepy kids seems to sell at the moment apparently. And um, 
just excessive gore. And I've never been a gore guy. I, I go straight. I mean, kind of the um, um, what's his name, uh, Jigsaw from um, well, oh, Saw. Saw. They kind of started the gore fest off, didn't they? They did because the first Saw is kind of. As the first Saw is very different. It's fantastic. It's, it's kind creepy of and it's out, didn't it? it's odd, oddly more gory for what you don't see. Yeah, and it's clever. Whereas then after that it was kind of you know you got to gouge out your own eye to get a key and yeah. or you know you've been super glued to a car or, or you've got to step on Lego to get to the, the, the <laughs> no you've got to step on a plug made of Lego. Oh, but yeah, so I don't the horror films that always stay with me were like Halloween, the first Nightmare on Elm Street where it was the creepy stuff. Yeah, that like was Michael Myers just staring at you. The stuff that I'd much rather come away from a horror film than sort of like going like the bit could be down that alley staring at me. Yeah, the bit in uh, um, uh, trying to get one my my genres right here. Uh, Halloween or oh, Friday the Thirteenth? Um, um, the woman I'm watching line with um, with what's the face? That's Halloween. Halloween. When she looks out of her bedroom window she's in the, the neighbor's yeah, garden. That's fantastic. That used to freak the hell out of me. That's why we don't put washing outside anymore. Yeah, with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Yeah, well. with the coat hanger. But yeah, it's just that film is creepy, and yeah, when she like looks down the road and he's staring the back of her. Yeah, it's the stalkings. Halloween sort of loses a bit for me when it gets to the slash. Do you remember Ghostwatch? Yes, I've got it on DVD. Oh really? Yeah, Sarah Green and Mike Smith, and Craig Charles, Michael Parkinson. Michael Parkinson. Yeah, and Craig Charles the pipes, whatever it was called. That yeah. used to freak me out because of what you didn't see. Yeah, and what was left in the imagination? Well, I remember the Saturday that was on on the Saturday night, and then the Monday after at school, you, me, and a couple of our other friends. Mm. And it was that whole thing of was that fucking real? Mm. Was it fake? It's kind of like, you watch it now. It's like this is obviously fake yes. shit. <laughs> but it wasn't billed as fake, was it? No, it wasn't. It was, but that was what made it so controversial. Yeah. Whereas you kind of look at it now, you're like, how did anybody ever fucking fall for this? Yeah. But then I suppose how did anybody fall for War of the Worlds on the radio way back when? But yeah, no, so I, I'm almost tempted to go and watch a horror film at the cinema again, which I don't think I've done since the Rob Zombie Halloween, which is probably why I never went to watch another horror film at the cinema. No, I've seen that. Don't bother. It's shit. It's one of those things of, do we, well, I mean, we'll come on to this in the news in a second. Do we really need to know why Michael Myers kills people? The whole thing was that he was just an empty shell. Yeah. And that was all the explanation we ever needed. I didn't need to know that he killed his pet rats and, you know, he was bullied at school and mm. his dad was a dick. And it's the whole Willy Wonka thing, isn't it? His dad was a dentist. You but don't need to know. No. Well, it was like with Michael Myers, it was creepier when he came from a, you know, normal, happy... He was a normal, happy child up to that night. Mm. And then it's like the Michael Myers child disappeared and he just became a shell for the shape. Mm. And that's the thing, which... Nicely segues us on to the nerd news and the Han Solo movie. Because mm. I think this is the first Star Wars film I could not give a fuck about. Really? Despite the fact they're tempting me with an awesome looking cast that includes Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. Yeah. I just don't care. <laughs> to me, when we meet Han Solo in the Moss Eisley cantina, he is a. All I need to know about that character is in that first conversation. Like, yes, he's got a backstory, but I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I just don't. I don't care how he got them. I don't need to see how he won the Millennium Falcon. Is that what you think the show's going to be about? Is about well, him getting the Millennium Falcon? Or Well, the one thing they said is that we'll find out how he got his name. It's like, was that ever a thing? Or is he his christening? 
Well, it's like so. It's implying that he's not called Han Solo. Han Solo is a name he took for himself from the dog. <laughs> <laughs> His real name was Henry. Yes, Henry Solo, who was doggy called Han. He's <laughs> Lando, and I was like Junior. <laughs> His real name was Chewbacca. <laughs> Chewbacca Han was the Wookiee. Han and Lando in the morning. <laughs> you were named after a Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they'll follow the comic book? You know, the, the whole. The, that's right, the books. Where. Well, didn't Han rescue um, um, Chewie from a slave ship or something? Oh, yeah, was it a slave ship or Han worked for the Empire? It was the Empire. He was, he was, in, in, Sword Trip, he was in a prison, wasn't he? I'm guessing, you know, because he was a war criminal because of killing all them clone troopers on his home planet during the Clone Wars where he helped Yoda escape you need to watch the third star oh no I remember no no he did Uh, yeah I thought he meant Han you mean mean Chewie no so yeah I mean like I say I don't really care about a young Han Solo my two problems with it is that you finally after 20 years gave me back the original Han Solo only to kill him for no real good reason other than Harrison Ford obviously said I'll do it if you kill me Mm mhm and then you were like, fuck, are we going to kill him? I know, we won't earn it, we'll just give him a Ben Kenobi thing, but nowhere near fucking as impactful as... Still, I watch Star Wars and I'm like, don't fight him, Ben. Don't fight him. Just get back on the ship, Ben. We don't need to do it. Whereas this time, whereas you rewatch Force Awakens, like, oh yeah, this is a bit where he walks out like a twat. <laughs> and I get what they were going for, you know, he was trying to save his son. But his son was such a whiny prick anyway, just fucking kill him. Yeah, more, every time I watch it, the more I like it. Sometimes you just gotta write your kids off as a lost cause. Yeah. It just. I, I really like how they hit it home that he gets stabbed, falls down a bottomless pit, then they blow the planet up. <laughs> just to make sure. It's kind of like that real thing of like, in a horror film, they always come back, well, fuck that. <laughs> down the pit, blow the planet up. It's like overkill. Yeah. It was like George Lucas's thing of they cut Darth Maul in half so you knew he'd never come back, and then they find a way to bring him back in the yeah, cartoon. But yeah, it was kind of like with Ham. It's like, we really need to let people know that he's dead. <laughs> well, let's stab him through the chest. Yeah, but people could still be like, oh, all right, well, we'll throw him down a bottomless pit. <laughs> yeah, all right, but then I suppose he could still, you know, Boba Fett got out of the Sarlacc pit. He did. <laughs> all right, well, we'll just blow the fucking planet up as well. I was half expecting there to be sort of like an end credit scene where you just got a bit of meteor floating through space and just Han Solo crawling up on <laughs> just it hits another meteor and then that big worm thing eats him <laughs> thank god <laughs> I would just went bit away from retirement as someone falls on him I'll never let go Jack <laughs> well, that'd be great if the Chewie was on this asteroid <laughs> and Han was kind of gripping onto it <laughs> Is the, have you seen the How It Should Have Ended for Force Awakens? Uh, I don't think so. Where he no. goes out there, it's Kylo Ren about to stab him, and then Luke Skywalker pops up behind him and stabs Kylo Ren instead. <laughs> and Han's like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, I'm saving your life. <laughs> How do you even know I was here? He's like, well, you know, I'm kind of a Jedi, it's sort of my thing, you know. Rem- <laughs> remember Bespin? <laughs> it's like, yeah, why couldn't Luke sense he was in danger that time? <laughs> why was he kind of like, yeah, I don't give a fuck this time. But, yeah, so anyway deviated well off but yeah they. so you've reintroduced me to the Han Solo that I loved as a kid and killed him you're now presenting me with this new Han Solo which feels a little bit like they're testing the waters with a Han Solo movie to recast Indiana Jones down the line oh yeah good point kind of like if we can accept him as Han Solo we'll accept him as Indiana Jones um, 
so you got that then they start doing things like you know we'll find out how you met Chewie mm-hmm. don't give a fuck I read it in a book once I was perfectly satisfied with that uh, we'll find out how he got the name Han Solo which I was always like wasn't that just his name and how he won the Millennium Falcon off Lando just gambling yeah <laughs> the whole thing about his name is that nowhere in any of the expanded universe ever George Lucas never intended it not to be his name I was going to say I didn't realise it was not his name so why are we suddenly making it why has it got to be this mythical thing yeah it's not like where we wanted to know why Darth Vader was called Darth Vader mm. you know where did that name come from that wasn't his birth name he was Anakin Skywalker why wasn't he, why wasn't he Darth Skywalker why did he become Darth Vader and it's never been explained to the no, best of my knowledge it doesn't need to be explained but yeah it's kind of a thing but at no point in any of the original trilogy has anybody been like you know he gets to see Lando and Lando's like Han or he comes up to me he's like Derek <laughs> Kevin it's like, like it's Han now <laughs> he's like you'll always be Derek to me you brick <laughs> it's like there's no Plus, what name could he have? It's going to be something really dull, isn't it? Hi, my name's Lance. Or <laughs> <laughs> his name was Handjob. <laughs> oh, crikey. Unless it's because in the Fast and Furious franchise there's also a Han Solo. Is there really? Yeah. Any relation? No. Uh, but <laughs> Han Gover. Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. That's it. That's it. His name's Hans Gruber. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, I'll go and watch it because I'm a twat. <laughs> but I'm just. I ain't heard I'm so not excited for it. It's just like I say, they keep doing things like they've got Lord and Miller on it. Yeah. Who I love, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I love Twenty One Jump Street, and I adored the Lego Movie. Yeah, it's like seeing the Twenty One Jump Street movies. They're, they're good you should watch them they're funny um, especially the first one the second one's a bit more missed than here but I don't know if they did the second one I think they I don't think they did but yeah um, so I don't know but on the plus side Gary Barlow's going to be in a Star Wars movie oh yeah I bet your wife's pleased don't you actually go and see it are you I think if it was Mark Owen in it hmm but I don't think they're ever going to bring Ewoks back so I don't know what he'd play I got such a beating for that comment (laughs) send help but anyway let's go to cheerier things Marvel sales (laughs) (laughs) oh my word no um, Marvel sort of came out and said that their comics aren't selling as well at the moment and they think it's because of all the diversity they put into it. Yes, it's because they're actively being given their roles to female characters. Which black characters a lot of people have come out and said, no, that's bullshit, it's, your stories have been shit. Yeah. And, I mean, I, with the exception of Spider-Man 2099, I stopped reading, and I, to be fair, I've not been reading them, I'm just collecting them out of habit since they moved them out of 2099 to present day, it's just not really had the same thing it had for me when I was a kid. So yeah, a few people sort of came out and were like, no, that's bullshit, it's just you're doing so many events and crossovers and mm. everything else that it's not really... Because to be fair, a lot of the diversity stuff they did sounded interesting. The female Iron Man sounded an interesting take on it. But then you have weird things with Peter Parker, and they make him like a billionaire and... I honestly don't know. I'm way, way, way out of it, I'll be honest. Um, well, 
Um, Miles Morales was in the main universe now, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Was is that kind of two Spider-Men now? In, in I the honestly main don't know. Like I say, I've got no real interest so, in Marvel. They've, I've always been a DC boy. So. so I don't know if that's kind of got anything to do with, um, you know, I think that's part of the diversity thing. I know Thor was obviously Thor's female. Yeah, because isn't it Jane Foster's Thor? Yeah. Spoilers, sorry. Uh, if you've made it this far. <laughs> well, I've been thinking about Hulk being in for ages. Yeah. Because She-Hulk, Red She-Hulk. I suppose you've got Spider-Gwen as well. How did that work, do you know? What, Spider-Gwen? Yeah. Is she like a clone of Gwen Stacy? Oh, I, I don't Gwen know. Gwen Stacy not dying do you know, this time and, and as a comic book bloody podcast, maybe she's done our research beforehand. Um, yeah. But, but, was it something to do Spider-Verse? Possibly. Where everyone kind of got... Oh, I don't know. I think the big problem, and I think DC's guilty of it as well, is there's just too many... Sort of gone are the days where... I mean, they've always done crossovers, but sort of like the death of Superman, with the exception of going into one issue of Justice League, Mm. has always been within the Superman books. You have to buy all four Superman books to get it. Or Nightfall, you'd have to buy all three Batman books, or all four if they were crossing over into that was always the big difference in Marvel and DC wasn't it it was self-contained within that thing yeah I mean there were things like there were a couple of Superman stories like where you had to buy Starman 28 mm. to f- get the complete story but it was also done enough that you could, it was just a little thing of kind of you know, remember when we did that thing and then you had the little editor's note with the oh yeah asterisk yeah. next to it telling you which issue to go look for that in yeah but now it's kind of like yeah this uh, remember when this happened asterisk this happened in this issue. Remember when this happened? Asterix, you need to go and buy this comic from a different series. Yeah. Remember when this happened? Asterix, you need to read. Yeah, and you need to buy something. And the books aren't cheap. Like I didn't even realise Asterix was in Marvel Comics. Yeah. Yeah. Really? yeah. Not Obelix, that was weird. Uh, I think they got a shared deal on Asterix for not the other characters. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so... It's just such an odd... Thing. the books aren't cheap anymore it's like £4 something for a single comic mm, absolutely I don't I, collect anymore when I go through my back issues it's kind of uh, 50p I know 50p wasn't like you know a small amount then but it was was not the equivalent of four fucking quid now mm. and also, if it's a book I love I will pay the price for it to support it and keep it in print I find I'm straying more recently towards small press stuff part of the thing of doing True Believers is that I find so many interesting comics from and partly because the big two just aren't grabbing me you're not grabbing you big big two I mean Marvel's never grabbed me because the Marvel continuity always seemed to be such a fucking mess when I was a kid that DC seemed simpler because I'd come in a couple of years after Crisis where they've relaunched everything but you've got New 52 did fuck all for me at all did not care for it and I'm not a f- Rebirth seemed to start strongly but then didn't really do it for me I'm going to carry on buying action comics till we get to issue 1000 and then I'll probably bin that one off but hey we don't like comics but if you like comics come to the Super League Festival there's there's more than just the big two because there's awesome stuff going on Dark Horse I read a great comic called Once and Future Queen which is fantastic Um, like I say a lot of small press King Legacy Inheritic uh, Red Mask from Mars uh, Brethren Born all those sort of ones that I picked up from speaking to people who've had tables at True Believers or catching up on other comics sadly I don't buy many comics at True Believers I tend to then either email them afterwards and be like I didn't get a chance to get your book but I really no, never asked for freebie 
I've been given freebies and I feel fucking horrible afterwards. <laughs> it's terrible getting freebies. Mm. I hate it. I always, I always offer to pay, which then it's like where do you, when do you then stop offering to pay because you then don't want to insult people. <laughs> I like freebies by the way. Don't don't <laughs> be put off giving me free stuff. Oh dear. Don't give him free stuff. You only encourage him. Please. <laughs> but yeah, no, so there's a lot more interesting stuff going on out there. And Terry Moore's stuff. A motor girl I'm really enjoying. Mm. So there's more than just the big two. And I think the big two at the moment are so... The big two feel like they're there to sell books. Not to tell stories anymore. They've to fund their, their cinema. It's it kind of... Yeah, it is. It's it's kind of yeah. It's not there to tell you a story to compel you. It's there to make you buy it. It's about an event. Yeah. And there's so many people that have been. It's like the X Men Gold. Mm. The amount because obviously that's been pulled because of the hidden messages in it. Well, yeah, they they, they called the first edition. They're going to they're going to reprint it. But those ones that obviously it wasn't pulled off sale, so people are selling through on it, but. The price hike on it on comic selling sites and that. Oh really? Yeah, because obviously it's yeah, absolutely a collector's edition now, and people are just buying, going into comic shops, buying up whatever they got left, and then flipping them for thirty quid each online. Yeah. So explain that then. Basically, it was the artist, wasn't it? Apparently, it was allegedly. Well, not allegedly at all, because but Marvel didn't notice. It was messages few, hidden in numbers or numbers. Yeah, some were messages. The, Quark, um, the Quran and stuff, wasn't it? it was yeah, a and there was a times, thing of. Kitty Pride stood outside a jewellery shop and they did with, with a Jew, just Jew next to her head. Yeah. And then there was number 22, yeah. I think it was, which means something. Yeah, it was all sort of hidden messages and that, which obviously, controversy, Marvel were like, fuck, we didn't spot that. Mm. We're pulling it. So they pulled it, they're not printing anymore to correct it, they're going to correct the digital one, and then obviously in the trades, it will never be that. Mm. So those ones that went out first printing. Like yeah. the hot ticket, but it'll die off. It was mm. the same as when they, quote unquote, killed Donatello in the current run of Ninja Turtles. Did they? Yeah, mm. but they didn't. Mm. He didn't die. He survived. They put him into Metalhead for a bit, and then his body was huh? became well again, and you know it was back. It was like he was never going to die, but everybody went fucking apeshit. They had to have that comic. Mm. So you get the fucking flippers who go in and buy up whatever copies they can at the price the comic shops sell it for. Yeah. And even some comic shops that see this and bump it up to make it instead of the £3.50 book that it should be, because mm-hmm. it's become suddenly the hot ticket, they'll bump it up to like 20 30 quid. And people will buy it at that price. And that's the thing. I was thinking earlier, it's really weird. There's nothing else that you would pay a higher price for you wouldn't buy a video copy of Ghostbusters because that was the first appearance of Peter Bateman that's <laughs> no, very true or you don't buy like you know the video of Bill Murray's first film because that was the first film with Bill Murray in it mm. it holds nothing else holds value like comics in that sort of medium obviously jewellery does paintings do that sort of thing it's very true if they released a, a first run of DVDs and it skipped for like two minutes and they didn't play the first two minutes you take it back you wouldn't yeah. keep it because it might be worth a lot of money in the future would it no but a print mistake in a comic it boosts the price right up yeah. and 
and it's you know it's the collector mentality and I get that you know that thing then becomes rare but it's just such an odd thing and it's this immediacy of I need to have it because there's hype about it yeah. true believers there's going to be a mistake in next year's one you want to be there it's a collector's item one it's really rare <laughs> there was a mistake in the first true believers uh, program we did there was yeah, wasn't when the, when the picture Jack Lawrence's wrong, picture was upside down Lawrence's picture was wrong, yeah. unfortunately Jack could make it so we've never seen it <laughs> If he ever listens to this, he'll know. Yeah. But it was weird because we proofed that. We bloody did, yeah. But it was, it was my fault. It was something to do with the PDF, and I think I changed it with a link server or something. See, it's why you shouldn't employ friends. <laughs> employ? Yeah, they get bloody paid for it. Not do I. What's this about you not having freebies? <laughs> I've never been paid. <laughs> it's been like five years solid, and I've not made a pen. <laughs> but. But yeah, so so yeah, it's, but yeah, we've sort of gone off onto flippers. We've really not got into the main body of this episode yet. <laughs> we really haven't, have we? Um, but yeah, so that's the end. You know, I get <coughs> I get people buy into flip because you know you've got bills to pay, you run a business potentially. But it was like when Empire did that exclusive issue with the Kylo Ren figure that you could only get at certain Sainsbury's and everybody just went into Sainsbury's bought up everything they had and then were selling them for £100 each on eBay okay why why do people pay it yeah if everybody sort of had the common sense to be kind of like if I don't pay it he's fucking wasted 100 quid on those and he's going to have to sell them at cover cost just to make his money back at some point just bide your time Mm. but nobody does because people want it immediately because they want it while it's hyped and then after a while they'll be kind of Oh, yeah, I remember that was worth money once upon a time. I paid 30 quid for that, and now it's worth cover value again. They just don't hold their value as well. Admittedly, that X-Men Gold one potentially will, but if there were so many printed and out there in the world anyway, it's not going to be like an Action Comics number one or a Detective 27, where there's so few left in the world. Yeah, that's the whole point of Comiso, isn't it? They don't, you know... A first print is still a massive, fairly big run. Mm. It's not going to be that uncommon. It's not going to be like a first printing of a small book like Walking Dead or Strangers in Paradise or something like that that it holds its value because it's an indie run so it's got had a small print anyway yeah this is a Marvel book that they had a lot of confidence in the launch there's going to be a lot of copies out there and I'd be lying if sometimes I wouldn't think you know well, I'm going to pick one of those up just because you know it has it. this story with it and I can my problem I'd be a shit flipper because I'd always be sitting on things thinking I'm not a dolphin for one <laughs> but no <laughs> and that's the end of the show I'm done now that's probably the funniest thing I've ever heard you say <laughs> I'd be a shit flipper I'd also dolphin for one Oh my god, you just, you just reached your peak. <laughs> and that was a joke even Alan Partridge wouldn't touch. Oh, crikey. But yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I always struggle with selling things. <laughs> like, if I sell it now, would it be worth more later? Will I then see it for sale later on down the line? Mm. Like twice the price? And But yeah, so anyway, so yeah, Marvel basically fucked up twice yeah. <laughs> recently. And I. I don't get why they're not tying it more into the movies. 
I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. There's, there's two sides to it. If you're, are they selling out? If they do, but at the same time, are you missing an entire market of people? Yeah, who are coming to your books? There's this whole. There's two sides to the argument. Are they ignoring their long-term fans for the benefit of attracting new fans? Hmm. But with the Marvel ones, they've not got rid of the original Thor. He's still in the continuity. Tony Stark's still in the continuity. Hmm. And it's obvious they're going to come back on the, into the you know they're going to yeah. be the main hero again soon. Yeah, they're not going to be Uncle Ben. No, who's still come back so many times so they can just show him because how he died another time. But yeah, um, are they too focused on getting new? It's kind of like you know when you sign up for a uh, insurance or something. Let's put it in an adult terms. You know, new people who come to this insurance get an awesome deal. Fuckers who've been with them for years get screwed over all the time. You have to leave your insurer to come back a bit later to get a fucking decent deal. But are they... probably the most boring comparison I've ever heard. This is what comics has turned into, though. It's just insurance. Pretty much. It's just boring. It's all about selling. It's all about hype. It's not about being passionate. That's why I like small press. Mm. It's because that's the great thing about going to cons where you've got small press artists there like Thought Bubble like Drew Believers like Ice like Leamington where you can go and you can talk to the people who created it and you can hear them talk to you about because it, it's all well and good reading about it online it's all well and good seeing interviews in videos or listening to interviews on podcasts but actually speaking to them and hearing it come across from them on the day about why they created that story why they used that style of art why they just felt compelled to self-publish a book all that stuff really comes across and you don't get that anymore there's no there's not been a when was the last time there was a massive creative movement in mainstream comics possibly Capullo on Batman yeah and he's been around on it for so long now that is he still on it I'm not sure if he's still on it but you know there's no sort of exciting new injection gone of the image days when you had Jim Lee and all those guys sort of coming over into Batman Hush and mm-hmm. that sort of thing it's sort of gone There's, you need that new injection of creativity a new generation to sort of come in and well that's kind of what the whole um, you know the, the diversity thing was for though wasn't it that was it was it. and obviously it fell flat initially but I don't think that's the reason it fell flat and mm. people far more educated than I in the field of said that that's bullshit that's just what you're blaming it on Hmm. it is not that it is that you are basically soullessly shilling stuff out and that's not to say that all the stuff from the big two isn't good Hmm. there is good stuff in there it's just sifting through shit to find it sometimes you like fucking Laura Dern in a Jurassic Park with your hands in that big pile of shit nice no we're more like an insurance company you know? <laughs> I want to go compare man. <laughs> There's a guy who's passionate about his job. <laughs> that fucker will stand on a plane to sing to you about go compare. <laughs> anyway, how is your pension? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so that sort of. Do you feel better now after that massive run? <laughs> Do you feel more relaxed after you've insulted everybody? I did <laughs> did I insult people though I feel insulted do you well you know let's not start on you my friend <laughs> <laughs> shit 
chilling out that same robot every time. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but you see what I mean. I, there's just the excitement's gone. I think. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that the hype was never there because obviously the death of Superman was a hype machine. Mm. And so what got you into comics, wasn't it? Well, it was the return of Superman got me into comics. Yeah. But I mean, you watch the documentary on the. Superman Doomsday DVD about why they killed him mm. that was probably the first big example of hype really bumping the price of comics mm. so obviously everybody turned out to buy the issue where Superman died and come back again but yeah they built it at the time that you didn't know whether he was going to come back yeah. you sort of knew in the back of your mind but they carried it on for so long yeah because they stopped printing the books for a while yeah there was a gap and people genuinely were kind of like well fuck is it done then there's the whole like who shot Mr. Burns miss you and there were four Superman and oh maybe one of them is a real Superman and then it could have been this one, it could have been that one, it could be a clone, it could be you know. Yep. So but like I say, they, there were a couple of months where there wasn't a Superman book come out. Mm. Which is really what sort of hyped it even more, I think. That was the perfect that was a real bubble moment of a perfect encapsulation of time which you can't really repeat. Mm kind of like those moments in cinema like Blair Witch Project is a hit so everybody tries to mimic it but yeah. it was a it was a moment in time that can't ever be replicated and I think that's the problem everybody's chasing that next big it was kind of like it got to the point where Batman where he was killing so many fucking Robins were dying mm-hmm. they stopped having impact anymore if anything he just became the most careless adult in the world ever apart from Nick, uh, apart from Thingy from Taken well I mean but pretty sure people just kept kidnapping Liam Neeson's kids and whatnot just so they had a story done yeah I think that's what it was although in the third taken is anyone actually taken isn't he falsely accused of killing his wife or something the first one was enough I felt we'd said what we needed to say with the first taken plus I was pissed off they didn't take my suggestion of taken taken too look who's taken now (laughs) (laughs) it was genius it marketed itself and it could have been his talking dog was taken Voiced by Danny DeVito. Right, yeah. See, fuckers never listen to me. But yeah, anyway, we are going to put in the panel from True Believers now that was the Inside the Artist Studio panel, which had Jessica Martin, Dylan Teague, Ben Oliver and Des Taylor, and it was moderated by Ollie McNane. And um, yeah, and they sort of talk about their creative process, what inspires them to create and all that sort of thing. So we're going to put that in now and then we will come back and we're going to talk a little bit about drawing ourselves so we're going to draw ourselves we're going to draw ourselves you're going to draw me like your French girls oh god have you seen the guy from Walking Dead they did a video of him doing different impressions one of them was doing John Malkovich doing that scene from yes yes I have seen that it's fantastic (laughs) I want you to draw me wearing this (laughs) only this (laughs) but yeah so anyway well that's playing we're going to go get undressed and draw each other (laughs) Uh, yeah we will come back to just a cold stone dead silence Mm. okay so yeah we will see you back here in a minute so now Intelligence and entertainment enough over the next hour or so. 
Um, Next hour. Des <laughs> Taylor, Jessica Martin, Dylan T. And Bella Oliver, hopefully you're aware of their work. If not, over the next 50 minutes, 55 minutes or so, I'm sure you will be more than aware and hopefully go and speak to them at their tables after this. And so we're looking at the process behind the art. And I know that what I'm looking at here is four very different artists who work in very different mediums. And I'm going to go therefore all the way over to Des, only because my last panel I started over. All right, fair enough. So all the way over to you, Des, and then work through, and then we'll mix it up. Yeah. And just really, I suppose, introductions to the audience, please. People might not be as familiar with the stunning work all four of you have done. And also people like Jessica, who does the writing and the artwork at the same mm. time. We can then talk about the process of how you got into this wonderful, magical industry. Um, and also the, the processes you do. And hopefully, sounds like a, sounds like a lesson plan, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's what we will have got plenty of time for people to ask questions and probe you deeply. All right, fair enough. Des. Uh, where do I start? I'm Des Taylor, just in case you didn't know. Um, I'm pretty much famous for my pin-up art I do. I do some work for DC Entertainment. Um, most popular was the DC Bombshell line that happened last year. It's been um, on telly as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, DC Fancast on Sky One. I'm co-host on that show. Um, and as the day goes by, you're going to find out a lot more of the stuff I've done. You won't believe half of it, trust me. <laughs> yeah, it's quite exciting. Okay, I'm Jessica Martin, and I am a recovering actress. Um, and I started my recovery when I rediscovered my inner art girl uh, in 2010. I took up my sketchbook and started sketching like I was possessed. I just sort of, I'd always loved it as a child, and I just got back into it. And in 2013, I self-published my first comic, It Girl, which is on sale on my table downstairs. And uh, whilst doing that piece of work, I was working on this, which is my first graphic novel. It's a work of fiction. It's a historical uh, adventure romance set in the 1930s in the film industry. But my twist is that the heroine of my story is a very talented artist, and she works in the creative department of uh, London films, and she goes to Hollywood. And so my interest, I've, I've mentioned that I'm an actress, but I've always been fascinated with how things work and the invisible people in my world. You know, I always sort of look at a set when I go on stage in a fantastic show, as I did recently, I did Big the Musical, and the workmanship and the craft and the imagination that goes into all those things before an actor even reads a script has always blown my mind, mm. and it's, it's the true magic. So I'm celebrating, in my work, I celebrate the, um, the unseen, which makes the scene. Dylan. <laughs> to follow. <laughs> um, I'm Dylan Teague. I've been working for about 20 years. I've done most of my work for 2000 AD. I've also done a few French graphic novels, a um, bit of storyboarding for the BBC. What sort of things for the BBC, Dylan? I did storyboarding for Class. It was a spin off show from Doctor Who. I only did one episode. That's not something you have learned today. <laughs> yeah. You did for Grace Weekly as well, don't you? Yeah. As well as 2008. You only did it running on Ace's Weekly at the moment, which is an online digital weekly comic. Um, not at the moment. It finished a few months ago. I did a strip called Codename D, 
that I wrote as well. <laughs> but it wasn't very well written. Well, I'll come back to on that. Ben? Um, <clears throat> yes, my name's Ben Oliver. I've been working for about 17 years professionally. Started with 2000 AD, worked for a London company called Comex. Um, then kind of got spotted by the American market, so I went to DC, did a bit for Marvel, back to DC. And in the meantime, doing various bits and pieces uh, for Wizards of the Coast. And um, it's easy to forget. That's <laughs> also you know, got like a relative yeah. to the band, and I can't remember. Oh, I, know, I completely <laughs> forgot. I did a panel uh, show last year, and I completely forgot. If anybody's seen um, One Direction, This Is Us, the movie, well, I worked on that. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I spent about two months drawing the boys. Um, yeah. In in the uh, in the movie, if anyone has anyone seen it. Yeah, it's actually all right. No one wants to admit they've seen the One Direction movie. Yeah. <coughs> ah, come right. on! It's not that bad. It's a few years ago, we'll let you yeah. on. when they sing, <laughs> when they sing uh, "Teenage Dirtbag," if you blink and you miss it, they turn into uh, uh, kind of superhero characters. Well, I did that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Photoshop, but when I first sort of taught myself Photoshop, I tried to apply the way that I painted traditionally with acrylics and colour pencils uh, into Photoshop using layers. Uh, I was never one to kind of put a lot of paint on a canvas. I would build up layers of colour. So, but yeah, certainly for me, I'm far more comfortable doing uh, individual pieces than I find interiors much harder. Right. Uh, just for me personally, I just find it more difficult. It's a lot more work. Mm. Um, I do enjoy it, but it brings up all sorts of its own, you know, its own problems. There's the the fun of storytelling, but then there's, you know, the horror of knowing that you haven't got it quite right, but you haven't got time to fix it and deadlines. And so, mm. yeah, I, for me personally, I I definitely prefer to do either cover work or okay. or. Uh, yeah, individual pieces. And with the Photoshop, is that is it all? Do you work all digitally now, and just make it look as as acrylic and as painted as possible, as, as I can see in your work? Um, yeah, it depends. I don't specifically try to make it look like I've painted it. Right. Um, I don't mind either way. I quite like it. it yeah, it's not a specific uh, thing that I go for that it must look like it's traditionally drawn. Uh, a mixture of both is fine with me. And like constantly experimenting, you know, you see people doing, using it in different ways, um, you know, pick up techniques from here, there, and everywhere, and just to try things out. And that's the beauty of it. You can try and experiment, and you know, 
if you get it wrong, it's not much of a problem because you just delete the layer. Mm. So, you know, yes, of course. it's the freedom that is there that you haven't got with traditional stuff. So, uh, yeah. Well, I imagine digital come up quite a lot because I know, dealing you do a bit of digital. You also do a lot of pencil work. And again, I suppose the simple question is which do you prefer? Is it still that fluid flow of you behind the pen? Or could you still achieve that through digital? Um, I do really like sketching with pencils and markers and stuff. But for professional work, I pretty much always use computer because it's just so much more controllable. And um, you don't have to commit to anything, so you can always move things about and stuff. But My pen says you get rid of layers if it's yeah. not working. And same as Ben, I'm, I, I do really like doing interiors, but they're just really difficult. So at the moment, I'm just concentrating on colouring other people. But I often, just to butt in on Dill, is I'll draw, if it's interiors, particularly interiors, I'll draw it in Photoshop, get any refs I need or whatever, print it out, redraw it in pencil, because it's quicker than inking in Photoshop. It's quicker oh. to have it in front of you, scan it back in, tweak the pencils, and then add, and then add kind of full black in Photoshop because then you've also got that safety blanket where you're not putting the black on the yes, page and you know possibly mucking it up so I, that's I use it definitely as a safety blanket okay that's interesting too Jessica I'm going to assume you're still a pen and ink kind of person you assume wrong really. I'm very ambitious I mean the fact that I, I've got imposter syndrome sitting here with three of the most famous people in the comics industry who've earn their stripes, you know, they, it, things have happened because they've got skills and they get, every time anybody does a picture, you just get better because you always look mm -hmm. at it and you want to improve. But I jumped in the deep end. When I, I will talk about the origin and how one got into comics in the first place, I guess, later, but when I decided that I wanted to do comics and I was looking at every style of comic from very sort of, you know, almost like smiley faces and stick men to highly rendered and what I consider to be the aspirational level which is you know DC and Marvel or mm. the, the mainstream uh, which is not unlike kind of you know the old masters because all the anatomy and the light and shading is there um, but I wanted to replicate the styles and I wanted to be digitally savvy you know so I bought myself Photoshop and I bought Illustrator and I bought Manga, Manga Studio everything but it's like a car you don't have to know, you don't have to have read through the whole manual, the only certain bits that you as an individual yeah. will use. Oh, yeah. Uh, and like Dylan, <laughs> comparing myself with you, <laughs> I should be so lucky, but I, I do love the sketching aspect. I love the working out. It's, sketching is like sculpting. It's like you put these lines down and you keep adjusting and, and refining them. Um, but there is something very kind of dynamic about the look of a sketch and there's something you don't get when you just kind of automatically kind of put a line, a hard line in, in either, you know, real ink or in the Photoshop thing. And um, I did some early work and I was very proud of myself. I thought these look brilliant, but they were practically traced. I mean, they're flipping, you know, highly referenced with flat colours on them and a bit of gradient because all that looks, that's the look. But when I really put the work in and started improving my drawing and getting back to basics, even a simple picture would look so much better because I understood mm. what I was doing rather than having a go and am I wrong in saying no. this? there are plenty of people in the comics industry who make a living and they get away but people 
you know, not even just comics expert, but people have an eye, they know what they're drawn to. And I think most people are drawn to, doesn't matter if it's a very cartoony style or realistic, but something that's done with a basis of knowledge of how you, how you do this. Mm. And you do have to learn it. it is, it's like learning music or learning a language. There are rules. So. Des, are you a rule breaker or a rule taker? How do you go about it? Because I'm going to assume quite a lot from your work. It seems to be heavily influenced on the digital fronts. No. <laughs> I don't know where it's like. Joe, going back to how I started, I drew, you know, pretty much pencil, ink. Um, I'll talk about my second big job, worst form, uh, girls' magazines. I used to do loads of illustrations, uh, like Moore and Cosmo and stuff like that. And I bought a computer. Uh, you remember the old Mac bubble? Uh, for £300 off a friend. And it just sat there gathering dust. I was, like, pretty much ignorant. I'm not going to use a computer because I know everything and I can just draw and stuff like that. Until one day the editor said, well, um, Des... We want to make a change to your picture. Um, could you just um, right, redraw it and email it to us? I was like, what's email? Because I didn't even know what email was. Right there. <laughs> yeah, and we go, oh, just send it as a JPEG. What's a JPEG? I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm pretty much stuck because obviously you need the money. Phone up a friend and like, I was like, uh, I need to learn Photoshop. He goes, oh, well, I'm free this weekend. I, I know, I need to learn it now because <laughs> right? I need to know how to obviously scan stuff. And I had a scanner. So he, basically my friend who was working in the office at the time, he basically went through the entire thing with me, how to scan things in. And so in cut a long story short, I did it. But the editor said, oh, brilliant, Des, it's really great that you're now, you know, you're sending through the email. Can I ask you a question, though? Why did he set it at such high resolution? <laughs> it's like, I don't know, 500, <laughs> 500 meg. Because, like, we only need it for a meg. I was like, oh, I must have pressed the wrong button. <laughs> it was from that moment I stopped my ignorance and I said, I better learn how to use Photoshop. I literally locked the door. You um, read a manual, you know, like YouTube, yeah. and basically just sat down there and just looked at the manual and then learned that way. And just like Jessica was saying, I took what I needed to know from that program. I didn't know it everything. Uh, got so much so that even like now, uh, <laughs> as my art got better and my clients got bigger, one of my biggest and first major clients, would you believe it's not, was Michael Jackson. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's thrown in the wow. deep end. Right. Actually, Des, just to give us even more context, was, uh, what work did you do for Michael Jackson? It wasn't his notes. Right. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was, I was the official fan club illustrator. Okay. And that's another little story I was going to. <laughs> oh, but literally, at, at that point, at that time, talking about being thrown in the deep end, I was lurking for Ladbrokes. It was basically, you know, the horse, the betting shop. So I had my Ladbrokes tie and everything, and I was drawing, like, every month these drawings of Michael Jackson for the magazine. Then the editor said, uh, it was during his dangerous tour, um, Michael wants to meet you. I was like, Michael who? He said, Michael Jackson wants to meet you. Are you having me on? So I had to ask my manager at Ladbrokes, um, <laughs> can I go off early, please? He's like, why? Because Michael like Jackson wants to meet me. He's like, hey, all right, whatever, mate. You're staying to the end. I was like, no, I'm serious. I, you know, I do work for the magazine. He said, I'll go on then. 
you know, jumped off there, going to Wembley, Brad, Ladbrokes tie on, <laughs> everything. And it was just like the most surreal moment of my life. I had walked backstage. There were like loads of lights. I remember walking past Jack Nicholson. Um, I've got Rosella. I don't know you know who Rosella is. Uh, Danny Minogue, uh, Janet Jackson. And literally they just pushed me into this tent. And there he was, King of Pop, standing in front of me. He said, hello. And I didn't know what to say. Mouth is dry. The first thing that came through my mouth was, all right, mate. <laughs> and he laughed at me. And everybody around him was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just said that. Because you know, everybody was like, oh, you've got to say Michael Jackson or Mr. Mr. Jackson or Michael. I was like, all right, mate. And he said, you sound like Michael Caine with rocks in his mouth. <laughs> he said, like, I love your artwork, the stuff you do for the magazine and stuff. I was like, okay, thank you. Thank you very much. And he goes, I'd, I'd love to have a piece for myself. I was like, okay. Didn't know what else to say to that. My last thing was, <laughs> I came out with, was, um, well, uh, make sure you do your best performance tonight because I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> And literally everybody else fell around me. And then from that, literally, everybody just jumped on the bandwagon. This guy's doing stuff for Michael Jackson. And the magazines came on. This, blah, blah, blah. And then I had to literally stop mucking around and learn the trade properly. So, you know, I went, researched the materials, you know, inks and pens. And I say Photoshop, how to scan and use Illustrator. And then I basically, I took it seriously from then. So, yeah, front in the deep end. Then there's me Michael Jackson, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, trust me, I have lots more stories that are crazier than that. But it's literally, you're thrown in the deep end, but it's good to have, like, the knowledge of, you know, the basics. You can get by very well and make, you know, a good living by knowing the basics and stuff. Um, But at some point, you know, (laughs) you can't be ignorant. You've got to really learn everything because, you know, people are using InDesign now. And, you know, they want their books all done in InDesign. I don't know how to use InDesign. I'm still, like, putting things together in PDFs and stuff. <laughs> so, you know, it's just a progress of, um, you know, being thrown in the deep end and, and just, like, researching, doing a lot of research. So you started off with a full-time job. Yeah. And then segue finally into full-time art with a little bit of help from Michael Jackson. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll tell us what you're going to And I know, Jesse, the same with you. So, you know, you've touched upon... Your um, your full time career up till now, and how you still um things like big over Christmas as well, um, and so I'm going to come back to you in a moment and say how did you juggle with it? Yeah. Dylan, Ben, have you were you always full time illustrators and then went into comics? Or I, I want to know about I know this word journey. I want to know about how you got to where you are today, without using the word journey. <laughs> I used to send samples off from when I was about 18 to different companies. And I started getting feedback from 2000 AD with Steve McManus. And he used to send me sample scripts and give me pointers. And I sent him a letter saying, do you think I should go to college or do you reckon I could get professional work? And he said that I should risk trying to get professional work. But he also put me in touch with David Roach and Mike Collins. And I went to see them and they offered me a place in their studio. Nice. So, and I managed at that time I could get on a government scheme. Oh, so I remember I got, when the government gave yeah. money away to some poor people who were to encourage us, yeah. Those were the days. So um, I got on that for six months, and uh, during that time I traced down Mike's layouts for him, 
and David Roach who had introduced me to lots of different artists' work. But at the same time, I carried on sending samples after 2018. And luckily, as soon as the training thing ended, I got offered my wow. first job. So on-the-job training and also perseverance and finding that link with Steve McManus in 2018, yeah. that's a wonderful story. And I think it's certainly in this world, it's good to hear that you know, universities and the be-all will end up. Ben, uh, what about your own story? Oh, I went to university. <laughs> um, no, I did, um, <coughs> I did uh, sixth form and then a foundation in general art. And then I did an HND in illustration. Um, and then I managed to jump onto the final year of a degree course. So I kind of ended up doing three years, but two were doing an HND, one was a degree. I mean, there was a thread running on a, a Facebook the other week, and people were saying, you know, were you kind of self-taught? And I still think I am self-taught. I don't think I actually... What I learned from being, you know, going through the system was you've got like-minded people around you. Mm. You've got constant kind of inspiration. But in terms of we didn't go to, you know, painting class or drawing class. Mm. I didn't actually learn how to do anything. For a lot of my painting, I nicked <coughs> pretty much all my techniques from Simon Bisley because mm. I, I could work out what he was doing with kind of car yeah, spray yeah. and then putting washes and then going over the top. So, yeah, it's just kind of taking stuff from all different sources and then trying to, you know, define your own style. Um, so although I went through that system, I wouldn't say I particularly learned anything, but mm. obviously it's a very creative environment to be in. But then uh, went to a, work in a call centre. Everyone kind of on the course, nobody had any money, so went to work in a call centre and stayed there for way too long. Drank a lot of cider. <laughs> and then did what, well, not what Dylan did, but uh, sent off a sample script from 2018. Um, and I did one and it was Andy Diggle at that time who was editor and he responded and said you're not quite there if you follow these pointers um, and I thought well sod that you know I mean because it was quite good and in fact yeah. I still got it and it wasn't that bad um, but apparently I have since heard that these letters were going out because uh, a friend of ours uh, a 2000 AD artist currently he got one, and he was told, yeah, you're not quite there. But that wasn't actually the truth. It was because, I don't know if they just weren't hiring or anyway. So two years later, I did it again and basically got a job there. And in the same year, that was 2000, I met Comics, who were this young kind of upstart comic company. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. I did a book called Puncture. Um, and was there for three years, and it was really good. It was a very good experience. But that's how I think I got my first job, is because they brought out a new comic, Judge Dredd, Lawman of the Future. Right. So there was more uh, openings yeah. for artists. Yeah. So, cause it's not just right place, right time. Yeah. Well. The talent has to seem through, doesn't it? Well, mm. I think there's a certain amount of artists and a certain amount of work, and sometimes if you're sending stuff in and they've got plenty of artists, you're not going to yeah. get anything. Okay. Um, I'm going to... Pause for breath and see if there's any um, questions from you. <coughs> Either on the process, maybe, um, or stories from Des. <laughs> um, if not, I will wait for more than 1.6 seconds, which apparently 
Is that <laughs> Any questions? Anything? What team do you support? Anything? <laughs> Who wants to start with that one first? Well, the main thing is just draw. I know it sounds obvious, but... I second that nomination. Yeah. Draw as much as you can. Draw. Go to life classes. Keep a sketchbook. Just get really good. And yeah, you just practice. Just, and do it all the time. Um, you know, you still see some people... You know, they'll come to you and show you their folio, and it's kind of two half-finished sequential pages and a couple of, you know, rough sketches. And it's just not enough. So it, when you get to the point where you need to, you want to start submitting stuff, I mean, I would say, is it three pages or five pages they want to five see? Five pages want to see, sequential, yeah. I would, I would personally, I'd want to see five at least. And, you know, with the internet, you can, you can get a pretty good idea of what the standard is mm. from people, you know, from new people. So if you're not at that point, you know, I would say you, you, you need to keep practicing. And like Dylan said, definitely things like live drawing is a massive help. Live drawing, yeah, huge. Mm. Um, and just, yeah, take, take from all sources, I would say, as well. Don't just stick to comics. If it's comics you want, you know, look at films and video games and yeah. graphic design and kind of try and bring everything in. Yeah. <clears throat> I would certainly have to say you put because of our... People like Dylan and I follow on Facebook and Jessica Martin and Des and Andrew himself say, but I do know that even now you will go to light drawing classes, you yeah. will do it in your local area, in your local town and that kind of thing. And I think certainly whenever I picked up a pen just to doodle, if I haven't doodled for six months, it isn't like riding a bike. It's almost like starting again. It's almost, and I think, Jessica, if I come to you, because I know certainly your process of, of, of artwork when you're on stage, when you're in touring, how do you go about fitting in your passion, your, your refound passion for art? Oh. So uh, only a few years ago, and, and, you know, producing something like that is quite a big thing. Going from a relatively two small comics to a huge graphic, so a huge novel, graphic novel, literally overnight, <laughs> and writing it and drawing it yourself, um, how do you go about doing that and juggling uh, effectively your first career that may someday become your second career. And I'll ask the same question to you guys with all the different fingers and pies that you've got nowadays. Well, the guys are saying, draw, draw, draw. And if you are... It's not even serious, because I don't... This is not a serious thing. This is a passion project. If you're not passionate about it, if you're just yeah. thinking that, oh, this is an easy... Because everyone does think drawing, it's like breathing or whistling. It's surely everybody does it. You know, one, everybody may do it, but nobody does it... You, Talking about the interiors, for instance, I'm so pleased that you two said that interiors are difficult because I thought, you know what, when I first <coughs> broached the, the, even the notion of doing a comic and I was looking at it because it's like anything that's skilled, it just looks easy. It lo looks as if they just thought the thing up in their head and put it down on paper. <laughs> Bloody hell. And then I've got these textbooks, perspective, penciling, layouts, inking, mm. uh, you know, all these factors to consider just to draw one little scene in an imagined environment with people wearing specific clothes. Oh, my God. It Let's not even go there, because I don't want to put you off. But go back. First, your first question, how do you fit it in? So well most recently, as you so rightly said, I did Big the Musical, 
Um, I had a small part because I'm a lady of a certain casting now. I've been in the business many, many years. I was an ingenue, very well known, was on telly, West End musicals, and now I've got a new... They sort of rediscovered me. I'm playing mums in musicals now. This is what I do. But Glamorous mums, I Glamorous mums, thank you. But it's like, oh, my God, another actress would be thinking, darling, I, I'm not a mother. I don't play these... And I'm thinking, hooray! I get to be part of the fun, but I get time in my dressing room to do my thing. So uh, in rehearsals for Big, it was October time, and there was this thing that I noticed a lot of artists were doing, something called Inktober, which was a daily oh, yeah. drawing yeah. Yeah. inking yeah, challenge. Really cool. And somebody had said to me, casually, said, oh, Jessica, are you doing the Inktober? And I thought, oh, God, I love it. I love it when somebody throws a corner. I said, yeah, I'll do that. So every night, I was up to like 12 o'clock at night doing my flipping Inktober promise but I produced really good work because I put in a lot of very hard work my book came out last year and going back to the thing about teaching yourself or going to classes I invested some of my own money um, because I'm not earning very much money doing this yet Uh, but I spent some money to go to an art school in London which specializes in teaching art as 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 it's come down from the classical masters, which sounds really highfalutin, but basically it's how to draw realistic-looking pictures, and you can only do that with reference, with life drawing, and understanding how things are in proportion, and, and viewing, if you like. It's not drawing naked men and ladies, it's drawing people as sort of landscapes or pieces of perfect design. You know, I mean, nature is so wonderful. When you observe how skeletons and our muscles and all yeah. these other things come together... I hated science at school. I hated having to have those rules. But actually, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So I, I spent like four weeks to going to these classes. It wasn't long enough for me because I just thought, thought, oh, my God, I've got so much to learn. But the little that I took out of that, when I put it to these sketches that I was doing, I thought, oh, my God, these look so much better than what I was doing, like, you know, a year ago. So I think the answer, this is a very long-winded answer, but the short answer to it is you don't think oh, where am I going to find the time? You make the time, because if you really want to do it, nothing is going to stand between you and your love affair with, with the paper and the pen. Yes. What she said. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, was the question again? Um, your process. Um, how do you find the time? When I was single... <laughs> it was a no lot kids. easier. No kids. It was a lot easier. Even though I do remember one, two, three girlfriends dumped me because I spent more time drawing than spend time in there. But I didn't you. care <laughs> because it was focus. I want to achieve where I am here now. I want to achieve, and nothing's going to stand in my way. That was my whole thing. So I'd buy, see you. And literally, um, every night, I would draw. I would draw things that you know, inspired me. Uh, pause video and look at poses from like video. Um, because obviously I didn't have a life model in front of me or anything, but everything I got from film and stuff. All right, now, two kids, <laughs> travelling all over the place. Literally, uh, as soon as kids are in bed, I work till from 7 o'clock till 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm just, yeah, continuously. I have this, like, I don't know if it's a disease or whatever, I can't leave anything half-finished. If I've drawn the character, I'm like, okay, I'm scan it in now. He's scanning in now. No, I can start colouring this. <laughs> I keep colouring them. Like, right, the colouring's done, the character's done. Oh, I've got to do the background now. And I've just got to have the whole thing done before I go to bed. 
And then even when I'm in bed, I'm thinking of next scenes. And I think a lot, I work differently to like um, most other artists um, when they're creating their own comic books. Because usually, you know, you have your script first and you know exactly what you're doing. I pretty much, I have an idea in my head and I draw all the scenes that I like, I uh, want to happen in this book. And then when they're all done, I throw them on the screen and I look at them and then I put in the in-betweens. Well, she would say this to him, so I need to draw that. And then he would say, oh, hell no. And then put that there and then somebody will come through the window there, so I'll put that there. And then that's how I do it. So I fit in all the pieces. And then when it's all done visually, that's when I write afterwards. He would say that, she would say that. And then when I've read it, no, it doesn't sound good. I'll go over it again, and then I will rewrite over it until, until it works. And that's how I work. Because I, I've like, had people that say, oh, I want to collaborate with you and write. I'm like, okay, write me a story. I'm still waiting. <laughs> you're like for a year or whatever yeah I'm still working on that first page and you're just like I could have done this myself um, one of my uh, biggest achievements was a book I don't know if you're familiar with I did uh, two, three years ago called Vesha Valentine um, it was a story of um, a 1940s, 50s uh, movie star and basically like an autobiography her rise and fall and stuff um, that's the premise behind it the truth behind that book was, my wife said to me, um, it's Valentine's Day um, next year. I want something better than what you got me this year. And I said, I'm going to top. I tell you now, what I do for you next year, nobody on the planet Earth will do it. And she's like, yeah, 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 whatever. So I created this book, named the character after my wife, Vesha, and created this entire story, and I was under pressure to have it under pressure from pressure, uh, to have it done by Valentine's Day. Brilliant. So, you know, I get the publisher that was going to publish it, um, and then obviously getting it in, shipping times, editing, and all that stuff, and literally I must have made it by one day. I had a massive exhibition with it and everything. Um, so, yeah, I don't like doing anything easy. So, literally, um, it's because I am completely driven and if you're not passionate and driven about what you want to do, then you might as well not do it. Because, you know, the comic industry will just will eat you up if you're not passionate about what you're doing. It's interesting, Des, saying that, though, because I know for myself, the passion that you two have got, <clears throat> yeah, it's very evident. Mm. But I'm kind of... I mean, I wish I was more driven like that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, you really want to draw something and mm. you get a new job in, and it, it, it's exciting. Certainly at the start, you know, you're really into it. But, yeah, I wish I had a bit more of that kind of drive in terms of thinking of things that I might achieve because I'm more than happy to sit there mm. and wait for the jobs to come in. But that's why, isn't Luckily, it? Luckily, normally <laughs> they do. Yeah. Because I think that I am kind of inherently lazy, but I think that when I, <laughs> when I do do a piece of work, hopefully yeah. you can see that you know I am putting effort into yeah. it. I'm not talking about effort in, in that respect. I mean... You know, I want to always want to produce better work. Always, yeah. always, always. But I haven't got that drive, you know, where I would be sat up so in my space. you switch off and go, right, I've done enough. That's good enough for me. Yeah, I'll have a nap. Oh, don't get me wrong. If you like Champions League football, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll stop to watch a football. But after yeah. that, I've got to get back on it. Um, but yeah, yeah. I do sometimes think, God, could I have achieved a bit more if I'd actually just been a bit more, you know, 
Dylan, you've got that, that passion that makes you think at one in the morning, <laughs> do you know what? I should have acted a thicker line around that character. Um. So, no, that's a common thing with artists. It's never good enough. No. And, got, and I suppose it's where deadlines help. I suppose, you know, at some point, you've got, to, you've got to release it into the wild. Well, that's where my sort of laziness comes in as well, which is why I just do colour in there, because I find it... <laughs> That is lazy. You're bloody brilliant. Sketch it. Sketch it. Make your own stuff. If you came here to be inspired. We know that's a skill and stuff. I think you've been a bit too modest with your colouring work there, Dylan, because we know what a good colourist can do to a good artist or even a mediocre artist. So don't sell yourself short on that one, matey. But getting back to the idea, what we've got is it's almost like a divide of the very passionate over there uh, for different reasons <laughs> and the people who maybe have got into a rhythm and a, and, a, and a groove is what I'd like to call it rather than anything else so I suppose my next question before throwing out to the audience who gives them time to maybe think of a couple of questions is um, I've picked up on some of this going back to things like the interiors there's got to be things you don't like drawing do you start off with the things you do like drawing or do you think right get the crap stuff out of the way get the car out of the way get the dog out of the way then do the, the figures. I do that now. I never used to, but now I do, yeah. Good stuff yeah. out No, no, I'll get the hard stuff, stuff done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cars, interiors, buildings and all that stuff. But, yeah, just get it done. And I then I can have fun, especially if you're on the deadline. <coughs> yeah, so I just got fun stuff to do. <laughs> I just don't put it in. This is why I've got a bit of a reputation for not drawing backgrounds. It's like, oh. I'm like, it's all about the character. It's all about, come on, emotions. That's what it's about. Yeah, I, there's not a skyscraper in the background, you know, just just blur it or, yeah, yeah. you know, fudge it. Are, are there any, uh, like, uh, illustrators in here? Or Yeah? And you'll want to what, make your own comics? Or are you making your own comics now? No try. Do or do not. There well, is no how try. have you tried? Well, I've been, I've been trying to write novels since I left school. Hmm. And I've also had an art background as well, the drawing and painting, and a degree in entertainment design crafts, pieces, and props, all that sort of things. And I can never finish a story. And I think my old crafts should draw it as well as writing it. And at the present moment of time, the two haven't quite coalesced. Right. You're speaking to a kindred spirit here. So I'm an actress, so obviously a creative-minded actress. So over the years, I've done the thing of I've written scripts, I wrote a screenplay, which it's all about confidence. So I had the confidence to start off with, but then I met someone else who was a writer, and I assumed that he's, a, he's declared he's a writer. So I immediately collaborated with him to sort of finish it. But actually... At the back of my mind, I was thinking, no, I want to do something myself. Even if it's crap, I want to stand and fall by my own vision. And actually, the best thing I ever did was, I told you about the comic, It Girl. It was only 12 pages in total, but I'd taken the life story of Clara Bow and kind of condensed it in, into what comics are, which is a poetic form. And, you know, so it was almost like a movie trailer by the end of it. And I kind of, you know, learned on the job. You know, it's like you were saying about... I had a deadline. I had to learn Photoshop. Well, I wanted a certain look for uh, the comic. I wanted a, a retro feel. So I was like learning about putting those little dots, you know, yeah. the, um, half tones and things in. And um, and I, you know, and I achieved it. And it was just a small 
instead of this big, whacking, great, epic thing, a small, bite-sized thing that I could, I had a beginning, middle, and an end to it, and I finished it, and I felt really good. In fact, I couldn't have cared less if nobody bought it. I thought, I've done this, but it did sell. So you have to, you have to have the confidence. You've got to tell yourself, and you've, if you've got all those qualifications, there is no reason. No one has said to you, you can't do that. You're just, you're just stalling. Right. Whether it's um, whether I use acrylic paints or whether I use uh, felt-tip paints or markers, uh, I mean I'm uh, I'm struggling with, with fine liners because some some of the fine I can't stand or it does not come out. No, no, no. Excuses, excuses. Just choose one. I tried doing the brush pen thing when I started out, and I'm very lucky because I have a fantastic mentor in Mark Buckingham, who's a, an artist mm. for DC. And he's amazing. And he kind of looked at me and saw that I had the passion. I didn't have half of the ability I've got now, but he saw that I wanted to do this. So he agreed to help me. And after being lovely and charming, then he kind of really gave me the proper, you know, realistic criticism. And he said to me, no, you can't do this brush stuff. You need to learn how to do that. In the meantime, use some fine liners. So I kind of went back and that felt babyish to me, but it gave it a much better look. And I think, so find, find some fine liners that you like and just, just do it. Forget about the argument about acrylics or this, that, or the other. Do a really simple black and white comic. And it, I'm sure it'll be possible. Yeah, black and white ink. Yeah. I mean, you pick up on something there. I mean, I've certainly seen your art style evolve. And quite quickly, the more work you've done, and it comes back to, I think, the general consensus that you've just got to keep drawing. You've got to have that passion. You've got to have that determination. And then maybe you can be in a position where, you know, arguably you can pick and choose what you want to do. I'm with Ben on this one. I like drawing characters, but I hate backgrounds. And so I can see how Ben you know, got to a position maybe now where you can pick and choose the jobs you want. You can say, do you know what, I quite fancy that, quite fancy that. And, and I dare say with, with the kind of work that you're all doing, certain writers and artists might very well have you in mind, if not now, in future years to come and so on and so forth, and, and, and knock on your door. Um, are there any more questions? So I'm aware there's time. At the back there. Are there any skills that you might really struggle with? Like, what's more time or is there anything brand new? 3D. Yeah, 3D. I'd love to learn 3D, yeah. It's the time, isn't it, to yeah. teach yourself. Yeah. Have you got blend? Is it Blender? No, I want to learn ZBrush. Oh, ZBrush, yeah. yeah. ZBrush. Literally, I find if I say this uh, was yesterday, I saw a video up on my Facebook page, if you might going in now and it was uh, I can't remember the name of the artist but he drew his picture he scanned it into ZBrush and turned it 3D and that was it I was like I'm sold I'm sold oh, I'm sold, I'm sold. All right, how do you do that yeah. that's what I want to do now I want to Pixar my stuff although Dylan's actually pretty handy I do. Oh, yeah. Dylan, man, we're going to have to have a chat afterwards. Teach that <laughs> I don't teach it, I do. But he knows, he knows how to use it. Right. Get yeah. your email off you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I use Google yeah. SketchUp, fun enough, for using Great backgrounds. backgrounds isn't it? Yeah. Google SketchUp. Have you used Sculptress? No. I tried it, I, I didn't really get on with it. But right. I'm going to have to get on that. So, what, it's still using Google SketchUp then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like literally the. There's a. Uh, DC, uh, DC, DC, Disney animator um, Rob Pratt, who I'm working with um, next year, um, and he this uh, story we've um, combined. Literally, he's.
created all of the background stuff all in Google SketchUp. You just said, we at Disney, we use it. It's so easy. It's just, you know what I mean? We want to get our point across. Old room. It's there. <laughs> it's done for you. Yeah. So, yeah. And I know DC and Marvel have their own little sort of area. If you become a DC Marvel artist, they get you all of these sort of buildings and things that they've had built. Yeah. Um, and things like that. I don't yeah. think there's a tax office in Google SketchUp, though. No. <laughs> I know there's a question here. I'm aware it's our. I think yours. Is there any other questions after this one? Okay. Uh, going back to doing the research and practicing and getting the, the basics right, um, how do you get the balance from when you look at an artist you feel inspired by and you kind of want to get that um, his characteristics in, into your work? Um, do you reproduce his work or do it your own way? Like how do you I have an answer for this. <laughs> When I first started, I wanted to get into comics. I was using a lot of fine liner pens because at that time it was Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee. And I'm like, this has taken for ages. <laughs> so if I'm on a deadline, I'm dead. They will not hire me at all. So how do I get my information down so quick that I can just go through pages like Jack Kirby? And he used to do, like, what, two pages in a day or something like that? Yeah, it's just, like, insane. And then I saw Bruce Timm. Bruce Timm, Batman the Animated Series. And I saw his sketches. And literally, he was doing, like, a Batman in a few lines. I was like, what does he use? He uses a brush. Traditional brush. That's the answer. And literally, that's what I've been using to this day. It's just like, okay, I've seen Bruce Timm. I've seen his style. Obviously, you're not going to copy Bruce Timm's style. They just call you a Bruce Timm ripoff. But, you know, I'm going to take a bit of that. And Johnny Romita Sr., I'm going to take some of him. And I've seen some of the stuff Carl Baker's doing. He looks really cool. And they all seem to use a brush. And then you combine all of that stuff and then you create your own thing. Um, going back to our friend with a funny nose, Michael Jackson. His um, motto was um, learn from the greats and become greater. Yeah, good one. <laughs> right, so again, I'm going to thank well, That's a great one to end on, a quote from Michael Jackson. <laughs> They're sketching all day long. It's clearly a passion. It is a love, regardless of what we're hearing. And it's 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 being in a position where it sounds to me like you're in control of your own destinies in many ways. And I think that's that's what we can all hope for in whatever career we choose from. But it's about getting out there, getting writing, getting drawing, getting something out. There's so many different ways of doing that. And so I thank the panel for their time and good luck on your own endeavours. So big round of applause. Thank you, thank you guys. And we're back. Can you put some clothes on now? No. I'm free. I'm finally free. Things aren't getting stuck together anymore. <laughs> Not my fingers. That paste. Anyway. Oh. Uh, I don't know if I want to put that panel in the middle of this now. I might edit this bit out. Yeah. I'm so confused. <laughs> so yeah, anyway. So... Now we're back. You are a semi-professional. Professional? What do you consider yourself I don't as? No, you a hobbyist. Oh, no, semi-professional hobbyist. Professional hobbyist? Because you do commissions, don't you? I do commissions. I, I, I do. Yes, I do commissions, and I have schools. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. And um, yes, I, I sell my work at, at events. Um, at not Lee was many of it, but my, yes, my, my proudest moment was finally convincing you to have a table at True Believers. <laughs> True Believers was set up just so you'd take a fucking ticket. Exactly yeah, I pay for it because you, you're on 50 percent bloody commission for everything I bloody make. Fifty, <laughs> seventy-five. <laughs> um, so yeah, okay, I, okay, yeah, I would like to think that I might be semi-professional. And and I've always doodled as a hobby. I've occasionally used things I've drawn. Like on the lanyards, we used a couple of things I'd drawn. Yeah, uh, a couple of the prints we did. Was exactly something um, I'd drawn. The, the poster we got at the moment for the uh, for the summer con. The summer, the summer I, I drew the true believer guy on that. Yeah. yeah, some of your artwork. Been sort of dabbling, sort of getting. I think I'm getting better. I certainly are. Um, so yeah, I've been doing things like that. The basically we're on a big go create kick this year mm. La- this year at true believers we did the couple of things in the workshops we did the kids one that had kids which john late did where we had the kids out there doing creating comic book characters yeah, it was a culture education panel wasn't it wasn't it the that wasn't the panel that was the workshop okay yeah sorry yeah, design your own character which tied into a competition he was running for a book he was working on yeah um, and that went round down really well, and we also did the superior life drawing, which was fantastic. I hated that one. Lime Green Jelly, who was one of our cosplayers, yeah. uh, Stephanie, she was the model as um, the female Hawkeye. Female Hawkeye, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it was like a quick half hour thing, and people it was, drew it was something that I start because like I said I headed that that workshop, and it was where I was putting the chairs. I think it oh, maybe two or three people turned that and it we had to turn people away it was rammed we didn't have enough clipboards and paper for people it was just a fantastic um, fantastic little session it was and it was great drawing and it seemed to be people of all different yeah. skill levels oh completely we had a we had a professional comic artist was there I think, I think it was a professional as well professional anyway and there was kids you'd never really drawn before and then there was adults and there was parents with their kids and it was, just, it was brilliant absolutely fantastic so yeah so we're looking at doing more of that um, the last couple of Sundays on our Facebook page we've been running the Draw Something Sunday because mm-hmm. I found I was sitting doodling on a Sunday afternoon and I kind of thought Sunday's a good day for just sort of lazily sitting and drawing so I, we set up this Draw Something Sunday thing which is just completely a bit of fun every Sunday our header changes on the True Believers page and then in the comments you can post the picture you drew that day so yes some people uh, the guys from King Legacy um, Dave he's been doing the last two weeks he's done a Batman sketch and a Thor sketch um, I've done a couple I have my kids involved the first week they did a couple of things um, Jack my eldest decided we should all draw Harry Potter things <laughs> so I did a Harry Potter and he did a Harry Potter on a broomstick and you know I and then last week we had a lot more people do it which was really good to see um, and then we're collecting them all together and putting them in an online gallery on the page so you can see them every Monday I go through and put them in and yeah it's just a sort of thing to get people drawing and it's where you can do an all day epic if you want or you can just do a quick 20 minute doodle you can be a professional artist you can be a casual artist you can just be somebody who's like I fancy a pop of this I'm just going to do a quick doodle mm. And just post it up. It's not about people then going on and being like, this one's the best, this one's shit. 
it's not about that it's about just seeing people create and it's just absolutely it's just and getting seeing, active on it getting your creative juices flowing that's it and getting it out there and sort of seeing how you develop one of the best things I did was <coughs> set up a Facebook page for my drawing because last year I was doing a thing I called a doodle a day which was a bit more than a doodle um, and it went from me just brain scribbling um, or to I don't copy on that by the way <laughs> isn't it always brain doodles or brain, brain scribbles. scribbles damn it right brain doodling because <laughs> I ain't paying you any money fucker <laughs> um, yeah so it was just like random drawings I do just like quickly two minutes just to keep me in the habit and the idea was that posting them online both kept me in the habit of drawing because if you go too long without doing it people tend to be like what's going on with these doodles which yeah, admittedly exactly. I've not done one for a long time just because everything kicked off with True Believers I didn't, literally didn't get time to sit down and draw for fun yeah um but yeah, I was doing everything from doodles, semi-serious stuff. Um, I was trying to practice lightnesses, so I was—I'd had—I've th- done three different versions of the same Bruce Springsteen. As opposed to a different Bruce Springsteen. Uh, supposed to, well, no, the same picture of Bruce Springsteen um, from the front cover of the river. So I've done that three times, and then I put the three of them together. And it's weird how you think that the first one you did actually looks a really a lot like him. Yeah. And then you look at the second one, you're like, I've massively improved on that. And then you do the third one, then you put all three together, like, that was shit, that was shit, and that one's all right. Yeah. And it sort of, it puts it out there. Also, the other thing is, I find taking a picture of what I've drawn and putting it up online, you yeah. spot the mistakes a bit more and see where you can tweak and improve. Basically, I'm a great believer that your eye gets very, very blind with the stuff you do. So, I mean, like, like I do live drawing every Tuesday, and you'll sit there for two hours and you'll be doing nothing but looking at your pad, looking at the person in front of you. And you put it away, you drive home, you make a cup of coffee, and then you quickly get your sketch pad out, and instantly you'll notice something you haven't noticed the two in the two hours before. You'll yeah. make a mistake, something an ear's in the wrong place, or the shoulders wrong, or the shoulders too sticking out. Like too fucking eight years, you know. Eight years. Uh, and it's it's a bizarre thing. I'm a great believer that your eye just becomes completely blind to it, and you can't see it. For, you can't see what's in the trees. It's right in front of you. Or you'll show something, or like I'll show my wife, and she's a really really good good. Um, she's got a very good um, crit, um, kind of critical eye on her. And she'll say, I think the nose is wrong. I think we bugger it is, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and then you're like, were you there? Did you see him? <laughs> yeah, however, it's, but also, I also think the better you get, the more critical your eye's going to be. Um, if some, you, you're never, I don't think you're ever going to be 100% happy with what you turn out with. I hope you're never going to be 100% happy. I don't happy think anybody is. Happy. I don't think anybody's ever turned something over and been like, I, I love a thousand percent of what I did there. Absolutely. If I think the day that you turn around and look at your piece of work and think, wow, I can never do better than what I've peaked, I will change nothing about this. I think then it's, that's when you've got to stop because I think you've lost your, your hunger. I think that's it. I, I was talking to, okay, um, so Dylan Teague I was talking to him at True Believers and he won wasn't it that he was voted he had the, the best um, 2000 AD cover of last year and it's a fantastic it was George Anderson it's a basic it's a fantastic piece and it, I was stunning it was just a lightness of George Anderson on the cover really really nice and simple and I think he, he won the prize for the best uh, the, the fan voted best 2018 comic of, of last year and I said to him, oh, you know, fantastic, brilliant. And he turned around and said, you know, well, yeah, but the eyes are wrong. You know, I don't know why I went there, the eyes are wrong. 
Yeah. And he's the only person in the bloody world who would have pointed around and say, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this I think Rogue One thing he did was beautiful. Absolutely. That he posted yeah. up on his Facebook yeah. page. And I, I think that's it. I, I think... And you're only going to get better. You're never going to get worse. No one ever got worse with practice. Oh, I don't know. I have times where I'm kind of like this. It's, but, but the, going downhill. But, but again, is that not... You, you're right getting better. Yeah, I think it is. If you start picking holes in your work... If well, you I, think start, it is, I think sometimes you're just not in the mood to draw, but you will try and draw, and just you can't yeah, churn anything which out. Which I, I think... I, I think, personally, that, that is, that's a mistake. If you, if you can't do it, it's just like, you know trying to make a living you can't get up it's the same kind of thing you know well, no, I mean? yeah it's exactly it's which like is a, why you, I stepped away from doing you, the doodles a day yeah. kind of thing because I was you just in such it. a slump where I was just churning out shit exactly you got to you know you got to loop it up you can't force it you know it's, it's a case it's, of it's the passion thing again the creativity it's yeah. you put in a drawing out for the it, sake it, of putting out it's, a drawing it's when it stops being fun and becomes a chore yeah. then it gets dangerous you see then you know I mean which I, is I why I could never be a professional artist yeah I could never I try to draw I try to draw every day. It doesn't happen because life gets in the way. Yeah. But it's something that I, I, I get a lot, a lot out of it. Um, you know, I don't know what I, I, I'm trying. At the moment, I'm on a real kick just to draw from imagination. So no reference at all. I know it's. I don't know. Oh, well, yeah, you're doing your brain scribbles pages, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. I'm doing what. Which basically, I don't think you understand what the word scribble means. <laughs> but basically, it's a case of I'll go straight in with pen a lot of the time and I'll just. I'll, I'll just I'll see what I off, prick. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I go in with a pencil and lots of rubbers. <laughs> oh, no, rubbers are brilliant. Don't get me wrong. We can't rub out a pen. Um, but it's one of those things where it's something that I've always found in my kind of, should we say, my skill arsenal. It's something that I've, I've always lacked in. You know, it's, it's something that. I, I, but again, is it the eye telling me? Is my is my beliefs in myself too high? Does that make sense? Basically, am I never going to be happy? Well, if I'm trying to do a, a, a um, I don't know, a, a pose of, of a woman or something, for completely from re- without reference, which is something very difficult to do. Because your eye, your eye is so kind of prone to, to knowing what a face looks like, what a body looks like. If the slightest thing out of proportion, you're immediately going to pick up on it. Or I think you will. The pick temptation up on it. I think with drawing females as well is something I've always been guilty of: is drawing the boobs too high. Yeah. Or, um, the, or the, the, your ultimate comic book booby, you know, yeah. kind of made out of plastic. Yeah, you become wobble. you become Rob Liefeld. <laughs> exactly. You know, because I think I'm so no feet. Yeah. Obviously, I sort of being a Superman guy a comic book guy I've drawn a lot more male figures than female figures mm. I think Terry Moore did a wonderful series of like comic size pages uh, 24 page like how to draw Terry Moore's guide to drawing women kind of thing and that yeah. he draws beautiful women he draws women that have realistic shape they're not your exactly absolutely classic comic thing one of the things I found for drawing women and you're the only person I've told this to actually believe that that was the general reason was I bought some Playboy books yeah just for drawing the women which I know a lot of those are idealised versions of women again but I think sometimes you need to draw the idealised version of a person before you can then sort of get the imperfections yeah well you know what I mean it's like at life drawing you don't get silicone boobed perky absolutely you not. get no. real people absolutely of yeah. all ages and the beauty of that also and that's, that's not body shaming the models but, but whereas different from, you're quite right we're different from Playboy I mean 
I tell people, yeah, you know, I do a lot of drawing and all that, and it's like, oh my god, you know, you do it for secular fools or whatever, you know. Oh, what's it like sitting in a ring with a makeup person in front of you? And I'll tell you what, it's the least sexiest thing you honestly can think of, because you're basically in a, usually a, a like a, a neon lit room. Usually, it's either too warm or too cold. Usually, too warm because they've got all the heaters on. Yeah. And the well, model is a person in the middle of winter. Exactly, <laughs> absolutely. And then you, you've got the model in front of you, or who, who you know isn't. I mean, brilliantly, isn't a, a Playboy model or anything like that? Because it's a lot more interesting than that. It a is a lot more interesting. Like I say, my thing with the Playboy books was for one, they covered from like the beginning of Playboy up to the time I bought the books. So you had a lot of different shapes of beauty as well, because women in the fifties that were considered statuesque etc were different to women in the 90s plus they have very much bigger muffs as well <laughs> but yeah so it was it's different shaped women still because obviously Marilyn Monroe that was the sort of pinup girl type of the 50s and 60s kind of thing which was a more voluptuous sort mm. of curvy woman whereas then you get to the 90s it's your pantalons and sort of big boobs big butt skinny everything else kind of thing and just Pictures like that for getting the curvature of the back. On again, it's doing. I found it was easier to draw. I did, it's possibly the thing from coming from comics because you're drawing picturesque men as well because it's muscled. Yeah. Although I don't like. I've never liked. I've always liked the simplicity of like the '60s comics where you just sort of had a upside down U mm. as the chest. And I did go through a period where I was the Joel Schumacher Batman suit. I used to use that as my model reference for muscles because mm. you had the abs moulded into it and that. Absolutely. So I used to use those pictures. Was that the one with nipples? It did have nipples as well, which was handy if you were drawing topless men. Mm. Which you did a lot. I did, yeah. Because, you know, they just kept turning up. So, mm. But, um, well, when you're drawing superheroes, they're virtually naked anyway. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're drawing the naked without definition of, like, you know, anything. It's skin-type things, isn't it? So, all right. What do you get out of drawing them? Um, anger, <laughs> hatred, <Pain. laughs> frustration, <laughs> egg, breathing, hand sweats. <laughs> do you get hand sweats when you draw? No. I know this is a weird question. Um, I get achy fingers. I, get I mean, it's more in the summer. Drawing in the summer is the worst because you're just naturally sweating everywhere anyway. But I find my hands get quite clammy when I'm drawing, and there's nothing worse than like drawing and stepping away and realizing you smeared something. Oh god, yeah. And where especially when got... you use pencil. Yeah, because I hold a pencil wrong. I do. Have to... I always have. It's because um, yeah, I think isn't that technically the obviously this is yeah, so that's the right way. Yeah, and I've always been like that. Really, that yeah. is weird. That's I hold it like I hold it like that. We're talking about pencils. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're talking about pencils. <laughs> yeah, I don't squeeze too hard because it hurts, but I just kind of hold it loosely. <laughs> um, we don't want to feel it throbbing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can't remember. But also, when you start really getting pencil marks all down that, that bit yeah. of your hand, then you start you end up going. Yeah, and you realise you just smearing. Yeah, or with ink. It took me a long time to fucking get out of the habit of inking completely round one side or yeah. starting from the bottom or starting from because then when you come to do the other side you realise you're putting your hand over where you've just inked yeah I think so you're using wrong pens on the side of it you're just smearing ink yeah well I used to use whatever pens I had to hand yeah it's only recently I've started buying sort of the proper sort of ones or the ones I've got free with the draw the marble way part work 
Or say you got three. Fucking fibre for a flimsy magazine and a couple of pencils, usually. And a steel ruler. No, I mean, that was an ongoing thing. Oh, okay. I subscribed so to it. still now? Yeah. You still get it? Yeah, I did, yeah. But partly because I want to complete that set of paints, even though I know I'll never fucking use them. <laughs> but I think Mike Collins, I don't know if I he's still doing say, stuff yeah, for that, but he Collins was doing stuff do for it. He did, absolutely. They don't, they, they don't credit the artist in it, yeah. which is weird. It'd be quite, quite nice to know who sort of art I'm following. I put a post out on the the Awesome Comics podcast. I've got Awesome Comics Talk page, mm. which is for like people to sort of reach out and chat. And I put a thing out saying, like, you know, does anybody else hate drawing hands or have any tips on how to do good hands? Because mm. I've got like how to draw the Marvel way. I've used my own hand as reference. I've looked at comics, other things, various tips and that. I just can't draw fucking hands. Mm. Even there's nothing easy about it. Hands are weird because no matter how you draw them, they'll always look wrong. You could take a photo of your hand and look at it. It's like that finger's weird. Yeah. And it's all like, again, it's one of those things. Sometimes I can do a hand and it's like the most amazing hand I've ever drawn. Yeah. And then I'll start thinking about it. <laughs> I think. Do you get the temptation sometimes to overcorrect? Yeah. I think when I do live drawing, when I draw hands, I basically I, I try to suggest the hand. I do as least of the hand as possible so it looks like a hand. <clears throat> You'll go through my stuff. And the worst thing you can do, in my opinion, is draw fingernails. Yeah. Because there's too much detail on something that it, it just brings focuses your eye on it and it looks crap. It's it, it's like never draw the lips as a line because there's no lines on your lips. So yeah. if you've got you got your gap, you've got your your mouth, that's fine. But then if as soon as you start drawing around the edge of the lips where the tone changes from one tone to the other, there's no line there. It's a change of tone from one yeah. tone to the other. It's wearing lipstick. Yeah. You see, which is you know, and the, the bottom lip is often. I mean, the, the, the thing with live drawing though is that you're always. It's all about studying. It's all about what you can see in front of you. It's all about it's. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's you're, you're learning you, your skills, good, good looking skills, your observation. It's all about observation. So you can't say this is how you draw an eye because you're drawing what in front of you. You've got to stop. Draw. If you're drawing a face, you're not drawing two eyes and nose and a mouth. You're drawing a mixture of tones that make up the features. That's what it's all about. It's also putting your style into it as well. Even oh yeah, the, the fact comes naturally. You know, you're not thinking. Oh well, I usually do it like this. You know, they draw it like that. One you know? of the things from that exhibition I went to, where they your life drawing class had their stuff up, is seeing yeah. different styles. That Wiggy style is very different to your style. Yeah. Again, that's a natural thing. That's but not uh, still recognisable, and it's weird how you can look at the same picture of the same person and, and get still, different yeah. things back from it. And if you can still recognise that person, or the you know, then somebody's doing something right. Because, like I said, I don't do much drawing people. For one, one of the worst things you can do when you tell people that you like to draw is it's a bit like the comedian of oh, I'm comedian, tell me a joke. Yeah, kind of like the oh, oh well, draw, me, draw me then. Yeah. No, <laughs> this is not going to end well for either of us because I could be having an off day. Yeah. Or the minute you put me under pressure to draw somebody. Yeah. You can't work under pressure, can you? You can't. You're not a trained monkey. I'm not a trained monkey. No, I. Well, I can work under pressure on certain things. It's like it's like peeing in, in a crowd, isn't it? But I, I enjoy. Well, I don't pee in crowds much, to be honest. Okay. The crowds tend not to like it. <laughs> so I tend to use a toilet. But no, it's um. It's so. I mean, what do you hate drawing? 
Is there a thing that you just never perfected? Well, no, I don't know about that because again, it's about observation. But one of the things I've got absolutely no interest in drawing the landscapes. I have no interest in it, no, and it's not something that I would go out of my way and do it. Which is that you know a lot of my I've had comments before now about a lot of my style, early stuff, especially my portraits. There's no backgrounds to it. It's because I lose interest in it. You know, it's not about to me. It's not about. Backgrounds. I was just no. one thing I've never liked about comics was if I had to draw Batman swinging through a city. It'd yeah. just be Batman swinging. I could not be fucked to draw the buildings. Like, I used to like when we used to go on holiday to Spain and that. I used to one of the days just sort of go off and sit on a rock and draw the beach mm. kind of thing. And I used to quite like doing that. But I see that I. I mean, I've never perfected cars, angles mm. on cars, guns, anything like that. I just cannot get fucking right to save my life. Yeah, uh, again, it's it's about the observation, about drawing what's in front of you. You know, I mean, you know, it, well, yeah, you, you give me, you say, right, okay, draw a car. Hands, obviously. You know, it, I think, even though I've gone on about me working really hard to draw from imagination, there's nothing wrong with reference. And just getting pictures and the internet's I mean the internet's fantastic. Instagram's amazing as well. And just drawing from reference, because you're not gonna get anywhere if you're not drawing from reference. Well no, I mean one of the ways I learned to draw a certain way was from copying from the pages of comics. Absolutely. So I copied yeah. Jurgens or um, John Byrne or Neil Adams or something like that. And then I'd sort of start putting my own spin on it. Mm. And it's sort of I think if you this is where fan art falls down, I think, sometimes. If you're Yes, I drew this 100% myself, but I have copied Jim Lee style down to the yeah minute thing. That's where it gets a bit tricky. Whereas if it's like Jack Lawrence doing our lanyards, yeah, that's his spin on Harley Quinn, his interpretation of Deadpool, right. and this next year it will be his interpretation of Superman. Um, that's the thing. If it's then. If you're just somebody who's like, yeah, I've drawn this, Neil, this is me drawing Neil Adams drawing mm. challenge, which I get it if you're doing it for a reason, like you're drawing five iconic Supermans, then you'll mimic the style of Neil Adams, you'll mimic the style of John Byrne, you'll nim- mimic Dan Jurgens, you'll nimic, uh, mimic like um, Siegel and Schuster. Can't remember which one did the drawing now, it's completely gone. But yeah, you'll mimic those styles and that will be within the context of a piece. But if you're just making a living mimicking, you're that fan artist yeah. who mimics. I think your aim though as an artist is to find your own your own voice, isn't it? Your well, it own is. style. It's the same as any record. You were saying that you could you know, you're at the um at the live drawing and then you you can instantly tell that's such and such as work, that's my work, you know, that's Craig's work. You know. It's um it's the same thing. I mean uh, I think that is the beauty that that's the aim of course you're going to start looking at the people I mean I, I do digital painting I'm trying to build myself up as a digital painter I've got people I I, I, mean, I, I look at their stuff for reference you know people like you know, Matt Dixon I mean I, I adore his stuff I mean mainly adore he's as obsessed with robots as I am but you're do not you know robots no it's, it's sometimes it's you know on a Wednesday <laughs> um, it's but it's one of those things where um of course, I, I love his, their stuff. I'll see how they do their work, you know. And of course, there's a few things that I'm going to manipulate and use in my mind. Well, it's the same with everything yeah. in life. It's the same it with true believers. I've looked at what other people have done in their cons and I've mimicked it and I've put my own spin on it. Mm. It's the same with it. Same with art. I mean, I've always used reference. Very little I do from. Actually, more I do from imagination now than I used to. Mm. But even sometimes I've used reference to get the pose, not the style, but mm. the pose. Yeah. 
So if I want to draw Spider-Man hanging upside down, I'll look at different pictures. Exactly, of course you are, you know. Of how he hangs upside down. Um, we got on here a Bandai oh, yeah, playing figure, it. which you compose, which you've got a different one, haven't you? Yes. Because I got, used to have the wooden figures. Yeah, basically, it's a missing mannequin doll. Awful. Yeah, I don't know how you ever find the wooden ones. They're, they're, they're not good. They're, they're, they're good for looking good on your shelf, but you, you, you can't. You know, I've broken quite a few of those. Trying to get them into the right positions. But yeah, this was actually fantastic. I mean, I've, I've got one, um, uh, quite an expensive one, um, and I forget the bloody name of it now. It's a, it's a sideshow. Um, it's by the sideshow one. I can't remember it. Yeah, yours is like an action man size. Isn't yeah, it? it is literally is an action. This one's quite. This is what about six inches, six seven inches. inches. Yeah, like a six inch figure. And this one's so much better than mine. And plus the fact you can change the hands as well. Can yeah, hands on for? yeah. This Bandai one, you got a lot of accessories. So you got several different hands in different poses. So you got point in fist body can DX set grey colour variant. And you've um, got the mat, little boy, the boy. The I've got the man one, yeah, and you can get a female one as well. But then it comes with a sword, a gun, a laptop, a cell phone, and all the different hands, loads of different positions, loads of different hands, and yeah, it, you can pretty much put it in any position within reason. I don't know. Yeah, you can't make it give yourself a blowjob. <laughs> well, you can't do that to yourself. So, <laughs> oh practice, god, my friend, practice. <laughs> They won't got anywhere, so we will continuous practice. <laughs> but um, yeah, so which I've not actually used it properly. I've spent ages posing him, and then by the time I finished posing him, I've not actually <laughs> had the time to do the drawing. I know, again, plug in the awesome comics podcast. But I know Dan Butcher, who does Vanguard, got one. Oh yeah, he said he found it didn't really help with his drawing so much as it did with his shading. Yeah, because it's a great light reference. Yeah, it is. You Absolutely. can see where the light catches it, and then where. Because drawing two things I've been working on that I think I'm getting better on as well. Above my drawing is both shading. I always used to overshade because mm. again, nineties it was a lot of shadowing comics and that, and colouring. I'm starting to get better at, which mm. is largely down to you because you bought me those awesome pens. Mm which I've gradually bought up so I've got a nice colour library of it and saving grace greatest thing I ever bought a white pencil oh, absolutely to then go over it and put finishing touches on I find it a lot easier just to colour hair completely black and then put the lines in all the divides in with the white crayon afterwards which has been I use white and hell of a lot which has been fantastic and I found that because I watched a video of somebody drawing Luke Cage mm. and then they went around afterwards with a white crayon and just put it in and you know used it sparingly I think sometimes the temptation for me is to overuse it yeah well that's the temptation of you, you know of everything if you you know you, you, I get to a stage sometimes where I panic draw if I go to a certain like a certain stage of my drawing when I just I'm not quite there and I'll just get to a panic draw and I usually completely overdo it you know you get your grey marker out and you start shading it and making it a little bit more powerful and you just overdo it yeah you've got to learn when to stop and that's a really difficult thing to do there was a. Do you ever used to watch Malcolm in the Middle? I yeah. probably mentioned it before. You see the one where he's in his garage painting, and he was in there for weeks, and he's painting away, and then he puts the finishing thing on it, hmm. and they step back, and they can all see what it is, and it's like that epiphany moment of like this is the masterpiece done. But where he spent so long painting and put so much paint on it, it's like that thick on the canvas, so it all just peels off. <laughs> <laughs> he's just left with a blank canvas again at the end. But it's a bit like that with drawing. Mm. I think 
the temptation to overcorrect. I find symmetry as a fucker. Mm. So I've learned now to sort of accept that one ear is slightly bigger than the other or slightly lower than the other. Or glasses are a fucker to draw. Yeah. Because getting that mirror of obviously glasses are symmetrical, they're perfect. But again, though, it's all about observation, though. You know, I mean, if, you, if you're drawing something from life or something from a picture, then, for instance, a car isn't any different to drawing a bird. Really, yeah. as long as you can get your observation down, that's what I think it is. Anyway, I like the little imperfections. I think they make things more. Well, interesting. it's your style. It, it, no, sorry, I don't mean imperfections. Your style, <laughs> but you know, it, you know. Thanks, man. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something that I can't do, and I've almost given up. I've almost psychologically given up on it. And that's you did draw cats as well as I draw dogs. So I knew you were going to mention that. I should have drawn, put that in an envelope. You were going to mention. Uh, uh, let's get the story of Ronaldo. Basically, when we, we were at school together, I've known him for you know years and years and years, and we went to art college together, which is kind of where we both. No, it wasn't art college. It was sorry, school. art class and school. And I didn't go to college. <laughs> and he drew. The um, assignment was you had to draw your pet. Yeah, basically, we had a homework, do- a homework pad, and there was a list on the back, and we used to kind of try to draw the same th- item from this list every it, week. It was, it was friendly competition, wasn't it? But yeah, it at was. a certain point, it had gone slightly beyond friendly. It did, yeah. <laughs> and one was draw, draw, draw a, a, your pet in Biro. Yeah, it was draw a family pet, which I didn't have a pet. So you did, I so you drew an ornament, didn't you? A dog ornament? No, it wasn't an ornament, it was a picture of my nun's dog. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I don't know if you've ever tried to get a Yorkshire Terrier to stay still while you draw it. It's a nightmare. Not regularly. Yeah, it was easier to go from a photo. And uh, mine was my our Siamese cat at the time. Yeah. And it was you were happy with yours. I was happy with mine. Just like, yeah. I knew the thing I knew in mine was that I'd fucked up partly because you still I gave it to you as a wedding present. Didn't I? Cause you give me the cat as a wedding present. This wasn't. Present yeah. This wedding. was a long. A yeah. Long yeah. Time we didn't, after we didn't that. get married at school. Um, <laughs> together anyway. But yeah there's a bit on mine where I've overshadowed because obviously I'd drawn it in Biro and I'd made a mistake and the best way to make a cover up a mistake when you is to just scribble over it yeah absolutely <laughs> so there is a bit and I was always never happy with that but I was quite pleased with the thing as a whole yeah. like now if I probably looked at it it probably looks nothing like a dog yeah I've got it so basically at his wedding I gave him I gave him my cat as a wedding present and at my wedding he gave me his dog framed as a wedding present. So that's basically it always comes up that his cat his dog was better than my cat. <sighs> no it's it's a childish grudge. It is really is. And I can't remember what I was saying now. Oh yeah. One thing that I can't do <laughs> and I or psychologically I've given up on it. I can't cartoon. I don't my a natural style is not cartoons. Okay. And I almost I, I, I can't I, it's something that I'm not naturally good at I suppose it's something that I, I, I tried many times and I can't get the, the life in my cartoon which is why I kind of I suppose it's developed my style yeah you know my, my, what, what, my, my style is what kind of I don't even know what my style is it's kind of scratchy kind of like a, I mean not my, my painting style because I think there is an element of kind of semi-realistic cartoony stuff in my style my, my, my well, I mean, Zoot's a cartoon robot isn't it it is a cartoon robot but there's still an element of kind of like quite well he's, he's the shape you could easily digitally paint him as like 
a real version of it and he would look exactly the same yes exactly I mean he's still rendered up he's not done in a cartoon style no is he um, the, the way that I paint them might be quite realistically painted and I'm obsessed with lighting and shadows and details so I put a lot of that into my work as well but things like caricatures I wouldn't even attempt because I've I, I got no interest in caricatures I'll be honest with you I mean comic books are, 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 I, I was always afraid I'd offend people if I did caricatures yeah absolutely and I you know um, cartoons I love love cartoons and I, I'm envying people who can do them but I can't and I don't really want to attempt anymore because I think I've almost passed that now see I don't have a consistent style which is why I can never do anything but I think you I'm do. not you say that but I would recognise your work that's I mean if anything I'm sort of my idealised style is a poor man's Bruce Tim kind of straight simple lines it's what I like about Des Taylor and Jack Lawrence's work so much is yeah. that it is those beautiful straight lines it's not it's all in the subtle shading rather than the yeah and it always sounds like an insult when you like it's nice simple lines but, no, I know, but it just sounds like you're using the word simple on something that's anything but. <laughs> and it's kind of, you know, I envy people who can just sort of like, <coughs> you can go up to them and go, draw me Batman, and I'll be, uh, 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 there you go. But again, that's years of practice. That is years of practice, yeah. yeah. It's the Jim Lee thing, isn't it? Of he got up every morning and nine till it was, five, yeah. just sat he in his bedroom drawing. his job, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, which is commitment. I think I would have broken a long time. <laughs> yeah. I'd have been like, eh, fuck it, Judge Rinder's on. <laughs> I can't be asked to draw anymore. And, but yeah, so I like. I, Alright, I potentially have a style, but it's not. The details aren't consistent. It's not like Wiki, who. His wages of Cindy. As the character looks the same in each. Yes. The expression okay. changes, yeah. but the Absolutely. character looks the same. I could Tunes by Turl, but on Facebook. Tunes by Turl. I couldn't draw. Hi, <laughs> I couldn't draw a character. Nice frames. Very nice frames. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't draw a character that looked that, that you could. You might be like that Stuart style, but that doesn't. That Superman doesn't look like that Superman kind of thing. His nose is different. His. See again, I disagree. Because you know, are you on your in, in front of us, and I'm looking at it. You can. <laughs> That's an accident, by the way. <laughs> Liar. Um, but you've certainly got. Let me dig out my Dean Cain. <laughs> <laughs> There's. You've certainly got a consistency. Like you know, you can tell your work. Just look at the faces. You know, I mean, like your your mouths are very similar. Do you know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, well, I tend to draw closed mouths because I can't draw expressive mouths. <laughs> Although I did something that I put on. Loads of these are open. Yeah, all right. Shut up. I found a Superman Iron Man thing because we were going to do a one of the panels. One of the ideas for the panels I had was that it was going to be a debate one. Mm. So it's them stood at podiums, which I took a photo of. But I was actually I did that quickly, and then we abandoned the idea for the panel. But I quite liked it, so I'm going to reuse it on Facebook on the thing. I'm going to set up a debate thing. Mm. But I found it recently and just sort of touched it up and was quite pleased with how it turned out. The right pencil came into play, look. It did come into play, yeah, a little bit too much in places, but, but yeah. But yeah, so I was quite pleased with that. I got the open mouths right. It's I find 
I used to love drawing Batman with his mouth open where you could see his top teeth and his bottom teeth. And it was sort of like a weird sort of hexagon kind of mm. shape. I used to love doing that and I can't do it to save my life now. Mm. I'm not sure the images I used to draw are probably better in my head than they actually were in thing. But I used to like drawing fighting panels kind of thing. So like the Superman Doomsday, Superman getting punched in the face kind of thing. But but yeah, one thing I've sort of never mastered, I've always been paper and pencil, I've never mastered digital, mm. which you have. And it's my bread and butter. When I say that, it kind of isn't really. But it's something that I've worked on for years and years and years to actually, I say perfect, I haven't perfected it, but it's something I've wanted to get good at and I'm getting better and better at it. But it's also, I've also been very, um, very mindful of not giving up paper and pencil which is never reason but I, I draw on my pad every night I do more normal traditional pad pencil drawings than I do to, um, uh, uh, digital because digital takes a, a long time well for well, me let's, let's quickly address the thing with digital that I know you've had in the past yes I have Yeah, and I've seen it online as well when certain people have posted pictures Yeah, is and I think it's a sign of you can do work with digital so well that people assume it that people think that digital isn't proper art mm because they either assume you're just clicking a button you're not drawing the base image or whatever it is absolutely I'm so, not sure the mentality of it I mm. mean I know one person that we worked with on something was just kind of well you just push a button mm. and um absolutely so basically digital painting is you're using a program and you're using what we a, a graphics tablet um I use a Wacom tablet, which is kind of the industry standard. They are, but my opinion, the best ones you can get. And if you imagine, I mean, mine's quite a big one. <laughs> um, it's a, it's it basically it's a it's a plastic solid um, art pad, if you like, with a with a grey area that um, that's marked off that symbolises the same area of your screen. Now you can get different kinds. You get the Cintiqs, which I know some people have, Craig. Uh, a, a Cintiq is basically a monitor that you have in front of you and you put the pen onto the monitor, a special kind of pen, a, a, a stylus, onto the monitor and you're drawing onto the screen. Mine is you're drawing onto this blank piece of plastic in front of you and it comes up on screen in front of you. Again, it takes a bit of work because you're looking, you're not looking at your pen, you're looking at I think that's the thing I've never been able to deal yeah. with. It's like I, we used to do the, what was that drawing thing we used to do? It was an app. It was a game. Like you'd send somebody the thing. Oh, it was, it was like a like Pictionary, wasn't it? Yeah, I can't remember what it was called, but yeah, yeah you had to send the picture and you had to guess what it was. Yeah, and you'd send some really weird, abstract shit. <laughs> but um, I can't remember what that was called. But yeah, I used to play that quite draw a lot. Something it was called. Yeah, was that something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. but and um, there was a Wii game as well that was a drawing thing. Yeah, it had a little tablet, and I just couldn't fucking do it. I think because I couldn't look at nothing appearing from the pen in front of me. Yeah, it, you it have takes, to look at the screen. It, it does take a long, a long time. It, it, it really, it's a, it's a whole new kind of um, a, a dynamic, if you like, to actually kind of get head over. And it does take a lot of while to kind of, you know, you also get another program as well. Now. I think what we need to explain really is that the, the the advantages of digital painting over normal painting. To me, the main advantage is that you can, you don't you're you're not constantly scared that you're going to ruin your work. You can you can a little bit more looser. You can be a little bit more creative because you can save. 
So you, you'll be painting something and then you can save it or you can freeze off a layer or something like that. And then, oh, do you know what? I wonder what it would look like like this. And then you can you can re- redo it. Be spend a couple of hours doing something and then say after a couple of hours, actually, no, you know what? I did it last time. Then just turn that layer off or revert back to the old save one. That, and you can keep rubbing out and you're not going to put the rubber through your pad. That, to, I can honestly think of the two main advantages that I, I like over more drawing there is you know yeah okay you could if you wanted to bring a drawing in and trace over the top but you can do that normally you can you know you can draw you can get a picture and you can put a piece of paper over it and draw that there's absolutely there are people it is possible to to put a photograph in and paint over it but don't immediately think that's what people are doing because i I, you know personally i don't do that and i you can't go around thinking that is what digital art is because it it isn't and it's it's a whole it's, it's it's a media it's a medium. That's all it is. It's it, it. It's like um. It's like the music, isn't it? You know, it's like like the electric guitar thing as opposed to acoustic guitar. It's the same kind of thing. You know, yeah. the whole Bob Dylan thing that caused a hell of a stink all those years ago. To me, it's just it's just something like that. It's going with the times. It's what it's the new technology bringing in these new. In fact, the new kind of accessibility, these new options. You know, that you you can do. I think anything that improves art for both the artist and the people who enjoy the art. Yeah, but what I don't think you can. Re- again, I don't think it's really improving. I think it's more of a. No, I mean improves the experience. Yeah, I don't mean. I don't mean to say that one is better than the other. It's 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 a never option. It's a, it's a never. It's yeah, a, it's, basis it's, it's never not meeting. like they burnt all the pen, uh, paper and pencils because mm. um, one of the things I've started doing, which. I actually got from at True Believers Jack Lawrence was selling inked pages and penciled pages from Lost Light issue one hmm. so I don't know whether he goes over the pencil pages traces those using a light box and then inks rather than inking directly onto the pencil hmm. I'm not sure but that's something I was going to start doing with keep the pencil and then I don't have a light box so the cheat I use is that I blue tack it up onto the patio door and then trace over it it's something I did with I do it when I'm particularly happy with an image but there's other bits I'm not happy with and I'll redraw it I'll trace over the stuff I was happy with mm. and then redo the other bits on a new sheet and yeah so I was thinking about maybe doing that and again I haven't bought a light box I just used the poor man's one and blue tack it up to the window oh, or absolutely. or um, the patio door and do it that way because light boxes are expensive and I've got nowhere to keep it mm. patio door's there so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's no good at night but <laughs> <laughs> and you possibly look a bit weird on a Sunday afternoon stuck and stood at your window drawing onto the window <laughs> <laughs> but I mean there's certain things that I miss with digital coming in you don't get as many original comic pages anymore where they're done That's digitally very animation yeah. cells have gone yeah because it's all done digitally now yeah absolutely I mean I used to love looking at the animation cells in the Warner Brothers store yeah but where everything's done directly into computer now you just don't get animation that, that is a good question actually the, 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 the fact that that there is no such thing as an original piece as such does that cheapen near the output and you can't suddenly I can't you can't yeah you can't buy an original unless you give them the, the PSD document on a CD I suppose 
But that is quite a good point. Is that where, where it all differs? The fact that it's not the actual making of the piece of art, it's what happens to it afterwards. Because, you know, you can't go up to, you know, in 30 or 40 years' time, you're going to go to the Tate Modern or something, there's going to be prints on the wall as opposed to actual. I don't mean. Yeah, I think there's. I mean, it's like when we set up True Believers and we were looking at getting people to do, you know, commissioning people to do art on things. Mm. And sort of, I think there's a romanticised thing in your mind of like, you know, we'll mass produce this for whatever it's for, so for the lanyards or for the programme cover or whatever, but it'd be nice to own the original art and then it was done digitally, so the original art, it doesn't exist. Mm. You know, Absolutely. In, a, in a physical format. Yeah, no, it doesn't, you're right. It's the same as digital movies, isn't it? Yeah. You don't have the physical thing anymore, you have a... Yeah. That's exactly, yeah, completely right. It's... But yeah, so I think there's, for me as a collector, there's a nice romantic idea of owning the original. It's why I like getting, or not that I get many, but getting commissioned art from artists at tables mm. at events is what I like about events. And sort of casually watching people draw it without watching. However, just have a thought, does it make art more accessible for other people? Because you're not going to have the high price of an original, but you can buy a limited edition print, which will be cheaper. Yeah, Therefore, you can still have that artist's work that you appreciate on your wall, even though it's not exclusive. I'm not above a print over the original. Mm. If you like the art, the art's the art. Yeah. Whether it's the original or a copy of the original, mm. it's like owning the original art for a comic book cover or just framing up the comic book cover. Yeah, absolutely. But again, there's some different because there's something special about if if that well, original or art exists. Bad example, but yeah. But it's yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm not a big. I don't buy things because I think they'll be worth more in the future. No, I buy things because I enjoy them. And you, you'll never be a dolphin, and I'll never be a dolphin. So, well, I might, you know, one day. <laughs> one <the> day. <laughs> one day I'll come alongside sailboats and get harpooned and just spout at top of your head. Well, that's a whale, not a dolphin. No, dolphins do as well. I've never seen a dolphin. Welcome to marine life. <laughs> but yeah, I think... And I get as well, who's got room to keep all these original art? Yeah. It's like, I have to purge every once in a while and throw away doodles I've kept. I am... I, I know I Your wife makes you keep everything pretty much. Well, that's just it. I really wind her up because I'm so... And kind of... Uh, and fussy about my stuff. You know, I often... You know, I'm not too bothered. I, I might have a... I did um, an, an exploration piece a few years ago. Of a, uh, it was a pencil sketch of Robocop. I did it a lot from from memory, or from imagination, apart from some of the features and the suit. And I probably spent, Christ, it must have been about, about I reckon about 15 hours on this piece. And just a pencil. It was on a nice bit of, massive bit of Bristol board. And um, it was all scrambled up. I found it all kind of screwed up at the bottom of my drawers. Person chucked it away, and yeah, that, that was the wrong thing to do in my house. Uh, it's like I so can't be asked of it. You'll find it when you have kids. Yeah, kids will bring you just scraps of Jack and Daniel are terrible for it, yeah. and then and you like screw it and put it in the bed. Well, no, <laughs> it's like it's terrible. The difference between your first child and your second child, Jack, every bit he brought home from playgroup hmm. went up on the kitchen wall, and it was usually just like he put a couple of things of yellow paint across a brown sheet of paper 
<laughs> Danny would bring it home. We're just kind of like, that's really nice in the pile. <laughs> and they're, and they're like, that's every a terrible thing to say, but you just do. Yeah, you just do. Oh, thank you. He's another one. But and it's not that you don't like you know you're impressed with it, and we keep as much as we can. But after a certain while, you'll be sorting through all these things. You'll be like, was this Jack or was this Daniel? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, what was it again? I don't know. <laughs> Recycling bin. Yeah, quick before they come in. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. And, I mean, you can't keep everything because, for one, you'll just have tubs full of fucking paper. Yeah. The recycle place. The, the I mean, the I don't even keep. Start giving out blue boxes for children's drawings. Yeah. I don't even keep everything I've done. So, mm. but it's not a heartless thing. It's just well, it is a little bit heartless, and you feel terrible for it. But at the same time, you can keep everything. And at no point in there, when when was the last time you went up to your mum and was like, "Remember that painting I did when I was three? And you still got it." We should do it just to freak her out. Yeah. Like, no, I'm all my art when I was at playgroup. We still got it. <laughs> oh no, I think we lost that in the. Um... Have you still got your your um, your senior school pads that we were talking about earlier? I think a lot went in a skip a long time ago. But mine, a lot of mine got cut up. What, I think in I a rage or no, I think it went in my portfolio when I went to college. I think I've got some. I mean, I know I definitely skipped. Remember one of our projects was to do a big painting of the school? No, I don't remember that. I know I did a big painting of the tap. Okay, that's weird. Mm. <laughs> was that a school thing, or were you it, just no, really enamoured by that tap? No, it was well, we, one of our drawings was draw something outside. Or, no, it was draw a faucet or something. Not fire faucet. And so I... <laughs> so I, oh, I, I drew... I drew oh. our outside tap. And... I was told then, oh, draw it really, really big. Out of bed, right, draw it really big. No, we had like a, it was a big A2 sheet mm. of card. And we had to paint the school. don't remember that. I don't remember doing it, but I remember the, the artwork. And I know it went in the, because my dad, when he was sorting out the loft, just gave me a load of shit from school. It's like, you did this, do you want it? Mm. And I, again, I'm not sentimental. I don't think anybody's sort of sentimental about their own work to a certain degree. No, absolutely not. I try and keep a bit more now just for going back for reference. It's why when I did like the Doodle a Day, I had a sketchbook. Mm. I did it in a book so I could keep the book. Yeah. And um, I was sorting out the bedroom the other day and I found some pieces that I put in my portfolio folder thing, whatever they call them. So I found like my uh, little Cabot Cove murder she wrote thing I did a while ago. And, uh, some various things and again you can just look at your progress through it and I can look I think that's the important thing keeping your work and there's a, a, a never kind of a, you know like a <coughs> word to the wise kind of thing it's something I, I've learned and it's one of the most hardest thing, or one of the easiest things I say you can do is to start comparing yourself to other people and I think that's a ter- it's, it is, it's inevitable of course you're going to win you yourself and I think it's very important to keep in your mind that the only person you need to compare yourself with is yourself and to me this is I mean well, we're, we're coming to me over two hours now so I'm not going to include the, the bit in the middle the, the, the filler so I'm not, not going to ca- not going to the filler the main event <laughs> the main event but um, I, I think um Oh, I can't remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's so. I think basically you've got to. Art can be so kind of 
philosophical reason. It can be so psychological, not philosophical, psychological, that's the word. The fact that, to, for me, I can have... Um, I can have a really, really good day and I'll come home, like a live drawing, for instance, and I'll come home or doing a sketch and I really like it and I can be elated for days. It'd be great. And then go the other way. If I do something and maybe I'm too tired to actually draw or I'll draw something and I'm not, there's something wrong with it and I'm not happy with it, then that can almost mentally destroy me and I can, my confidence will just drop off. I only seem to be as good as my last drawing. And it's a bizarre thing because I can't think of anything else, really, that it's not even my graphic design, my, my career, my you know being a graphic designer, even that doesn't bother me as much. Yeah, I think art is so personal, and I think it's because I think, it is. I think that's the worst thing you can do is if you it's just not clicking, just walk away. Well, yeah, walk but away it's for half difficult an hour. to do. It is because because you know it, again that's what I'm saying about the panic zone. You know, if you're drawing something and you're almost panicking because you don't want that horrible feeling of closing your pad on something that you don't like very much, and being so kind of you feel you've let yourself down you want to be able to this because you do me i get such a rush out of doing a piece of work that i like it yeah. doesn't happen very often but coming home from a life draw i keep saying that like life drawing but coming off from a life drawing knowing that you know your tutor will come up and say do you know you've done some really good piece, piece of work you've done today and coming home and you had some nice comments and it's great but it can go this or the other way if you know someone's not quite right with it or you, you know, and then you'll you'll come home, and it will. I've had sleep nights before now, just because you know you're thinking about it, and you're thinking, "Shit, am I losing my edge?" You know? Yeah, I mean, I don't have sleepless nights about it, but I get really frustrated when things just aren't coming. Like I say, where I took a gap from doing the drawing every day, mm. and then tried to get back into it, and was just turning out mediocre shit, mm. even by my standard, and um. Yeah, I, that's when I found just walking away was the best way because I think I was getting so frustrated and I think you try and draw when you're frustrated psychologically in your head you're like I'm doing this because it is shit and I'm just shit and I'm going to keep doing it yeah. and it drawing. keeps looking shit yeah. and I think that I mean it's it's breaking the mentality isn't it of yeah. I've got to push through this I can't walk away I can't leave something not finished absolutely and I think it's breaking that. I think you benefit a lot more from it, but it's easier said than done. I completely understand that. Um, but no, I mean, just quickly with the life drawing, I've noticed a lot more people using it. Certainly working comics. I know Dylan Teague does a life drawing. Yeah. Life drawing. I know a lot, a few others that I've spoken to. I think, I think it's very important. Um, so Dylan Teague does. I know, um, um, yeah, I think it's incredibly important to just to hone on your skills. Because again, I keep saying it, but observation. Um, the fact that you just kind of... You tra- it's training your eye more than it is training, training your pencil, to be honest. Yeah. It absolutely is, actually. It really, it, I mean, it's nothing to do with training your pencil at all. It's training your eye and getting your confidence up. And I think it's very, very important. I keep urging you to come along one, one, one Yeah, it's it. cost for me, mostly. But yeah. Which is another thing. If... Do you think if you say you couldn't, aff- there wasn't a life drawer near you, or you couldn't afford to go mm. every week or something, would you benefit from doing an observational drawing of an object rather than a person? I think, or? yeah, now that's interesting. I think you probably would in the long run. However, you haven't kind of got that routine of every every Tuesday you go to that. Do you know what I mean? If you say, even if you say to yourself, do you know what? Every Tuesday I'm going to sit down and I'm going to draw a picture from Playboy, right? Chances are it won't happen. 
Yeah. Because life gets in the way, as we said before. But I've got that thing, and and because you've got the routine where you're going all the time, you're going to, um, um, you're going to to live drawing, and then you're sitting down and you're getting on, and then you're coming home and you're thinking, actually, do you know what? This is going all right, and it's giving you the urge to actually, when you're not live drawing, to sit down with a pad because yeah. you, you, you can feel yourself getting better. It, again, it's the routine, it's the discipline. Thanks, Dave. For me, it's a cost thing. Yeah. I just can't afford on a weekly basis well, to spend. It's one of those things where I would rather. I mean, it costs ten pounds a session, and it's drop in, drop out. So I don't have to like pay in advance. I would rather. I, I I've got to a stage now where I would rather spend that ten pounds on life drawing than I would on anything else. Yeah, no, that's gonna be. I you know can't afford to spend it on other things. That's yeah. That's thing. Just money's tight at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A natural thing. Um, and you know, I'm not complaining. I'm just you know. It's, mm. Again life gets in the way yeah you know exactly but um no it's something i'd like to go to at least once or twice but mm. it's not something i could do regularly i just wondered if you would you know other options for people who aren't in a position or you know there just isn't a life of course there is absolutely as long as it's as, as long as it's you, getting the discipline is the, the discipline is there as long as you've, you've got the the um the, the hunger i suppose and if you've kind of got the, the will to yes i want to get rid of it absolutely you know, um, draw out, draw out of comic books. Um, draw draw out of other books. And I'll not say draw out of Playboys, you know, because there might be young people listening. But go to coffee shops. Just sit in a coffee shop with, with a pad in your hands and scribble. You used to do that when you went on holiday, didn't you? You used to go and sit in the bar and just. I did that a lot. I even went to museums as well. Just I articles. used to when I used to go on holiday to. Menorca, I used to sit by the pool and draw people sitting by the pool. Yeah, absolutely. As long as they don't look at you a bit weird, you know. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was about like you know, we're talking fifteen to seventeen, so peak <laughs> yeah. of being a horny teenager, just drawing women by the. That pool. was a long holiday, fifteen to seventeen. Well, you know, blimey. Uh, but no, it's. They say holiday. I was abducted. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the end of the day, it's practice and. But you can you won't get any worse with continuous practice. And but again, life does get in the way, and I'm, I've said that so many times. But if you can, you know, even just picking up, even sketching for ten minutes a day for a month, that's still a lot of minutes. Yeah. You know, even just just picking something up and scribbling, you, you're still like gonna a... to get it, basically get yourself a really really cheap sketch pad. Uh, I'd say hardback when you don't have to Eve doesn't know what size doesn't matter what size Some, you can take her around with you and fill it up simple as that yeah. say I, have, I want to fill this up in a year and just when you can just scribble just anything you can forget anything in front of you draw from imagination you know I mean I, I enjoy details and lighting that's the kind of thing that gets me off because I draw a lot of robots and stuff which yeah you can tell you like detail from your robot exactly and it's, it's just, not just the shape of the robot it's the yeah it's it's the you know I've, that's something I really enjoy doing and I love looking at drawings of other people with robots that's where I get one of the inspiration from you know it's like uh, I, I, it's, Instagram is fantastic you know if, if you guys can get on Instagram because then you can just just type something in robots and then every so often you oh we got new robot pictures it's like porn do you know for me well, it's I fantastic s- yeah I suppose it's the modern equivalent of you and I pouring over magazines or comics and that and drawing from that it's exactly the same. Like I say, that's yeah. how I learned to draw. I got more from copying comics than I did from yeah. and now all those with the, years of doing with the internet, because we're old school now, you know, the internet days, it's easier for anybody. I mean, literally, on your iPhone, on, on, on your whatever our smartphones are available, but on your phone, you know, literally, just 
you got instant reference on your phone, on your iPad. Where do you stand on tracing, just quickly? Uh, uh, there are benefits to it. I don't, personally. Uh, but it's, it's not a case of I'm above tracing at all. Not at all. Just that I, I want to... I, I don't necessarily mean to incorporate into work. It's like I, when I was 10, 11, learned to draw the old school TV series Ninja Turtles by tracing them from a the colouring book. So did I. Of a Ninja Turtles. Traced them from that well. just so I could get the hand memory. Absolutely. And then, yeah. I mean, it was never as good as the one I traced. Yeah. I, I don't know if there is... But forgetting the hand memory. Any learning the from, from a tracing. I don't think you'll learn from a tracing, really. I mean, there, I know there are, and I've read about this, that there are comic artists who... Do condone tracing, you know. I mean, Neil Adams. Yeah, he said, said that, in the past that. He, I mean, what's that phrase? It's like um, he did a clerk's drawing for Kevin Smith. Yeah. Kevin Smith thanked him for it, and you know, said about the work it must have gone into it. And he said, "Well, it's easy when you've got a light box and a picture to trace." Mm. Absolutely. But it still looked like a Neil Adams pitch. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot in the line quality as well, and that's something else we're not going to get into because line quality. I mean, that's a, that's a subject on its own. Um, but it's it's some you know you you still, if you if you had a professional artist trace something, comic book artist and a kid trace something, you'll still see the difference because it's not just about it's it's also about the the quality of the, the, the of the because they've learned how to get the quality of the line into that piece. I think sometimes there's something psychological from tracing as well. It's not mm. maybe. It, I mean, I say about you know learning the hand movements by doing tracing but it's potentially more of you look at something you've traced mm. and how pleased you are with it but also you've got that thing of you know you didn't do it yeah i, I think i, think, it, I certain, think it could take something away i think there's a lot of elements that come into tracing. i think i mean the th- way i always encourage jack with drawing is to copy from his comics yeah and if he chooses to trace and trace if not and you know just mm. it's like anything in life I guess you find what works for you with setting aside the time to do it the way you do it the tools you use to do it with mm. and yeah it's just practicing I mean like I say my big thing at the minute is trying to sort of master colouring mm. or well colouring's easy shading mm. <laughs> and that like, I didn't mean to I've ruined many a great picture that I've, <laughs> or many a picture I've been really pleased with by colouring yeah it's getting the tones isn't it I mean uh, there are certain people who can colour with it just being one tone and it looks fantastic mm. I am um, well, live drawing um, I tend to draw on a toned pad mainly because I like using white but what's the beauty of that is that it kind of makes you think differently because you're using the pad as a mid-tone but if you're using a white pad white is your highlights because you can't add white to white because basically white is your highlights but having a mid-tone gives you another kind of dimension because you can add your darkens hang on I'm going to rephrase that your, your dark tones and you can also add your white to it as well we use a browny sort of coloured paper at all, don't you? I do well yeah it's, it's actually a dark grey but I mean where I take colour well, yeah, I suppose the light but I also you sometimes use a tan pad as well I mean I, I tend to go through one pad after another and the last one was the first I, I'm on my fourth or fifth pad from life drawing I've done about 70 life drawing sessions I've sent drawings <laughs> 10 pound a pot <laughs> oh, I don't even want to think about that bloody hell that's a very good point I don't even think about that I think we're depressed um, wow um, but yeah basically you are you know the, um, 
it, it kind of gives gives you something else, a whole new thing to think about as well. Because as, as I said, it, you, you've kind of you've got your white dimension as well as you, you've got your mid tones already down. So basically, you're finding your dark tones and, and your and your light tones, and it, it's quite interesting because that can actually affect the way you draw normally as well. Because you're you're finding that you know your shading I do tend to if I'm using marker pens I used to, I tend to put down a, a, a mid grey first off and then from that mid grey I go dark and then I go light yeah you see um yeah yeah no that's I suppose it's like the Batman the animated series painting the city backgrounds on black hmm absolutely yeah and right. that sort of thing and to be fair again with the white the white pencil it's a godsend for Correcting. Well, you you look where you've gone slightly too dark. You start places. looking at some um, um, some stuff like, like for instance, like yeah, um, yeah, like um, like Jim Lee or you know Lee Bradshaw or anything like that. You start looking at their stuff, and you start looking at their white stuff. They're, they're like their black backgrounds with like white lightning, you know, like and you, you tell me that is not white paint. Yeah, on black. There's no way that you can basically. They won't spend all that time colouring it making sure you don't go over the white the tiny thin bits of white that they want in it that there is white paint or white, yeah. or white pen or whatever usually white paint pens I mean that's one thing I'd recommend as well is looking at artists you like seeing if you can find art books on them or the internet mm. looking at their older work as well because even with like Jim Lee you can see the evolution of Jim Lee to the Jim Lee we know now yeah but he was still a talented kid when he was no but right? it's still yeah oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely you're still you can watch somebody perfecting their art yeah oh absolutely and it does give you a little bit of a confidence as well the fact that you know which um, is the thing to remember is that nobody's perfect even Jim Lee's images there are mistakes in there there might be so many cooked schools that only he knows they're there yeah but even Jim Lee for example makes mistakes and that he wasn't born perfect he wasn't born instantly churning out it's practice its skill mm. it's a skill you can learn as well I, I mean there is a certain natural talent to it yeah no it totally is I, I honestly think and this is a bizarre thing I honestly maybe I honestly think anyone could actually learn to draw to a standard yeah. um, and it's it's anyone it's, I there's no good or bad art because there is art you like and there is art you don't like there are yeah. artists you will look at their work and it's like well that just looks like they scribbled it out with it's, I've gone back to Too Much Coffee Man and looking at that and yeah. Shannon Wheeler's style is very I don't want to say amateurish because that sounds like an insult loose it is it's loose it's not refined it's not polished like but that is the style you know that is yeah oh absolutely um, there, there are different again it's finding your style it's why I, I look at some people like um you know, like, you know rachel smith's got a lovely loose style of her work i couldn't do that no. christ no not a chance and i don't know why you know it's it's one of those things where it's something that naturally i don't go in that direction yeah do you ever try mimicking other people or drawing in somebody else's style um i, I there are tips and tricks i take off people i absolutely used to you know i mean i used to read man to grip the pillow years ago and you know of course you know, i'm gonna try to 
not charge you them a copy of that kind of work, you know, and bring that stuff. I just don't I've think I've done it for certain things like I think like the thing that's up on the wall there, some yeah. of it is done like bone. You there's only sort of one way you can draw bone. Oh absolutely. It'd yeah. be like drawing the Simpsons, you have to draw it in that style. Yes. Otherwise you deviate too far away from it, it's no longer not really the Simpsons anymore. The Simpsons kind of thing. I just sort of wondered if you've ever not mimic to copy kind of thing, yeah. But, or it's, just sort of try really liking somebody's style and sort of try to replicate it. Oh, absolutely! I think we dissect it. Probably. We're not, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or we, or you're always trying to copy. You know, if you're trying to, I copy suppose it, like a chef reverse engineer and a recipe that they don't know, <laughs> isn't it? Is yeah, doing it with drawing. I, as I well. do take a lot of like, for instance, I mentioned it before, but um, yeah, Bill and Teague is not a complete. I, I, I'm a massive Bill and Teague fan. He knows this. I mean, I've, I've sat. I've, I've, you know, sat with him at lunch. He's got the restraining order. He absolutely you. has. Yeah, you know, I basically dribbled all over him before now. Okay, well, well the, the joke was always that True Believers was only set up so that every year you and Dylan T could get together. And yeah, it's my me time talk. Sorry, oh. Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I just, I, I just find his stuff absolutely mesmerising, and I've sat down. I mean, me going on about my want to be able to draw brilliantly from imagination basically stems from him because I'll sit down and I'll watch him and you know and he's just he just turns off perfectly rendered body shapes and poses and unusual poses and uh, from, from memory from imagination and you, you'll notice that his foot the foot that he'll be drawing will be bent in a way that I never think about doing but it's fine it's natural and it's only that's the kind of foot that you would draw if you saw some if you're drawing a life drawing and that foot is drawn odd then, then you would draw it, but you wouldn't think about drawing it for imagination. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, but it's so natural about it. The way that the shoulders would be would be um, kind of positioned. You'd think that actually, no, that would be wrong in your head. If you think about drawing it in your head, it would be wrong, but it isn't. And it's that state. It's that kind of stage I want to get at. That's my that's my aim in life. Everyone's yeah. got an aim, an artistic yeah. aim. That's one of my aims. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I do have a. I think yeah I mean that's one of the things I get a real kick out of at True Believers is seeing people talking to our, the artist guests yeah. the artist, small press artists and the exhibitor artists and just seeing people talk in their craft and hearing people go away and sort of coming back to us and being like I want a table at next year's event I came as a visitor last year I spoke to so and so and so and so and so and so I went off and made my own comic I went off I've created my own series of art and you know that that's an awesome thing to hear and some people potentially jump into it before they're ready and some people don't but that's also a learning curve of it and um yeah i mean it's it's an amazing thing to hear and it's an amazing thing to witness and like i say one of the biggest kicks i get is watching you talking to the guests on the friday night before the event when we get to enjoy true believers before you have to stand in and pull me away and um but yeah just sort of hearing and listening to people talk about their art and their style and their work and their experiences and it's a very passionate thing oh it's not it is i think i think if it isn't then you're not doing it right yeah absolutely because <laughs> you're creating same with anything i mean mm. to a degree true believers is something that has been created yeah. I have a passion for it it's like we always said with everything we've done is once it stops being fun and the passion's gone from it we'll kill it <laughs> it ends for us mm. it's why certain things we've done we've only done once <coughs> yeah naming you know, 
showcase things. Um, and like when we used to do the film quiz. Yeah. When that stopped being fun, we just stopped doing it. We did a lot of those, though, didn't we? We did. We did that for a long time, but it just got to the point where it just wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. People were didn't like what we were doing, and we'd start. Yeah, exactly. And we we had a, it, was, we it got to a stage where people were, were complaining. It was just like, well, we're doing some fun bats because you know it's not fun anymore. You know? Yeah. And I mean, we were doing it. We weren't making any money from it. We were doing it that the money was going into fund, so it funded the film festival initially, and then it went into helping fund troop viewers yeah. to begin with. And yeah, it just it just stopped being fun. It was it got really competitive at one point. Yeah, you started getting the teams would come back week on week on weekend. It was brilliant. You know, month on month, it was really really good. And then it was like then there was a real kind of seriousness about it, and it was like yeah. And yeah, and it just it, it stopped being fun. But anyway, that's a different thing for a different time. Yes. But um, yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, that was that. Um, I'm not sure we're gonna have time to put the panel in. <laughs> but um, we'll see. The panel might be in the middle. If not, you've got this far, and we fucking screw you. But um, yeah, uh, a few things to wrap up. Like I say, draw something Sunday. Yes. Post your stuff on the True Believers Facebook page. Okay, True Believers every Sunday. Uh, just get involved, draw something, get your kids involved. Um, they don't. People don't have to be on Facebook. You can post the pictures up for them if they're happy for you to do so. We'll put them in the gallery. If you don't want them in the gallery, just let us know and we'll keep them out. Um, you can find Andy's stuff online at I Am Zoo on um, Facebook. Yeah, Google uh, on I Am Zoo on Facebook. Or I think it's Facebook slash the Real Zoo. I think. Um, yeah, um, we link to it on several things as well. Um, my drawing page is Stuart thinks he can draw if you want to check it out, but it's nowhere near as exciting as Mr. Hanks. Um, Tunes by Toe oh, we mentioned sh- as well. Oh yeah, Tunes by Toe, go and see his stuff. Um, again on Facebook, and Wages of Cindy is his web comic. Yep, um, one of his web comics. One of his web comics. All right, let's not blow his trumpet too much. He does lovely frames, lovely, lovely, lovely frames around his work. Hi, Craig. <laughs> I sent him a picture of a comic sketch thing that was just like, you know, this is the best portfolio I've ever seen. <laughs> so the leather, the binding, it's beautiful. And I was like, it's not quite frames, but I thought you'd appreciate this. Um, if you ever meet him, ask him. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a private joke and you're just really feeling left out. But one person will get a kick out of it or hate us forever. Yeah. Um, yeah um, True Believers, summer events just over four months away crikey yeah um, that's on a Sunday so we're going to try and get a sort of live draw something Sunday going on on the day yeah because um, you know natural tie in but yeah that's going to be fun that's raising money for Sue Ryder as well so at least a pound from every ticket we sell is going to go to Sue Ryder uh, the Leckhampton Court Hospice you can find out why the details on that um, we got it's not really a guest sort of event, but we've got the Edrington brothers come in, then we've got people like Andy Bloor, Nick Prolix, um, people who do their own comics and that. Um, the Edrington brothers, if you've got kids, are great. They're all ages comics, fantastic. They do a weekly tutorial thing in the Phoenix. Um, so yeah, that's worth checking out. And tickets for that are just £5 for adults. And, 12 and kids 12 and under are getting for free. So it's... It's a Sunday in the summer holidays, sort of when you wound down to the end. You're running out of things to do with the kids. Come along and check it out. It's a great day out. There'll be cosplay, comics, all the stuff you love at True Believers, just on a smaller scale. It's like a smaller event, same size heart put into it. Um, 
and True Believers 2018. It's so corporate, then. It does, but... Well, it's... The passion's the same. It's sometimes easier for people to look at it. It's like... Mm, it's the like, same passion, a smaller scale. <laughs> yeah, basically. And on a Sunday. Um, <laughs> potentially just sort of a one-off event, the summer one, and I'm not sure... Um, it only really sort of existed because Melksham wasn't there in the summer this year because they're taking a year break. So it was sort of to fill that small homegrown sort of indie con kind of thing, sort of put that in there. But it's not a replacement for it. It's just a in case you're missing it this year kind of thing. Um, but, you know, obviously as a True Believers style sort of thing. Um, yeah, so we got that... Um, first guest for True Believers 2018 Sarah Grayley's been announced on the page we've got more returning guests to announce and hopefully some new ones soon as well and um yeah tickets for that are still on sale at the early bird price until free comic book day which is the 6th of May I think but you might want to double check all the details are on the website go to oktruebelievers.com um anything you want to plug? I don't think so no that's it like I say follow us on Facebook we've got stuff going on there we've got you watch your reading Wednesday thing where we ask you to tell us what books you're reading that week, whether it's from your pull list or something old you've come back to or just something cool um, trying to get people interested in different kind of books excited about what's going on out there and um, yeah uh, sorry this has been an epic long one we yeah, might want to that. listen to it in a couple of sessions and we will be back in about four weeks or so uh, have a good time and cheers for listening cheers guys, cheers bye